Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Karen lets her kids wake everyone up at 2 a.m. So I've just come back from a coach trip from the UK to Disneyland Paris. It was a wonderful trip, apart from one family who decided they could do whatever they wanted with no consequence. To set the scene, me and my two friends have just arrived at the bus stop and are waiting for the coach. In front of us is a family of four adults and three children. A young girl around the age of 10, a boy also around the age of 10, and a teenage boy. All three are sat on the floor attempting to play a card game. However, the girl is screaming at the top of her lungs, telling the other kids how to play the game. The adults tried to intervene once, got sworn at by the child and then gave up me and my friends exchanged glances before resorting to sending each other memes silently voicing our discontent luckily we were seated at the front of the coach and the family were at the back but we could still hear the girl yelling all the way we let it slide though because hey we're going to disneyland and they're probably just excited we went on to have a wonderful couple of days in disneyland completely forgetting that this family even existed until it was time to come home You see, guys, we are broke, so we'd booked a coach that left Disney at 8pm, arriving back in London at 4.30am. It's a given that you'd want to sleep on the coach. Well, as we waited for our coach to come and collect us, there we were, reminded of that child's piercing screams and shrieks as she ran around the car park and in front of cars whilst the adults once again did nothing. My friends and I exchanged worried glances, but it was only the beginning. Once on the coach, people started pulling out neck pillows and blankets, ready to attempt to sleep. But not that family. They talked loudly about their trip and complained that the coach driver hadn't put the radio on for us. People were already grumbling, but the family paid them no mind. When we reached Calais, it got worse. The driver asked for a volunteer to collect everyone's passports and bring them to the front. One of the adults and the girl's mother volunteered and had to sit at the front with the driver while sorting the passports. Well, the child decided that that was an invitation to run up and down the aisle between her parents before loudly demanding that her mother sing happy birthday in Welsh. This was at midnight. After border control had checked our passports, the mother decided to hand some of them to her children. But that wasn't good enough for the little girl, who kept screaming at her mother to give her more. Apparently, no was not a word she could understand, and she simply kept screaming. Even when people stated they were not comfortable with children handling their passports, the kids still got to hand them out. And then we finally boarded the ferry at 1.35 a.m., ready for a quiet crossing. We were wrong. Initially, my friends and I had sat in an area with a kid's play area. We quickly realized and relocated to a quieter area of the ship so we could try and grab some sleep. People around us were sprawled out on benches with blankets over their heads and mothers had sleeping children in their laps. We found a quiet corner and started to doze off. Then we heard it. That same piercing shrieking, all from that girl. They were running up and down the length of the ship, shouting and shrieking as they went people were being startled awake every single time they went by other children were beginning to cry because they were tired the teenage boy was literally winding up the younger two making them shout even more the adults of the group were nowhere to be seen eventually i snapped 
after a particularly piercing shriek. I yelled, Quiet, please. It is two o'clock in the morning and people are trying to sleep. Several other murmurs of agreement surrounded me. They went silent, looked at me, and ran off. I knew what was coming. We all knew. In marched one of the adults. Not the mother, just another one of the adults. What did you say to the kids? She demanded, loudly, of course. I said, quiet, please. There are people trying to sleep. I gestured to the people groggily emerging from their blankets to see what the commotion was. If you've got a problem, speak to an adult. Don't shout at kids. Well, where were you? Down there, she points. They were at the opposite end of the ship. So why weren't you with them? They're hyper. Kids are gonna be hyper. Again, it's two o'clock in the morning and people are trying to sleep. Well, you should have come and talked to us. How was I supposed to know who you were or where you'd be? Uh, Whatever, just don't shout at kids. And then they left. Was that the end? Oh no, they continued their shrieking and running. When we attempted to find the adults as they had requested, they had moved and were nowhere to be found again. The girl also tried to stare me out a couple of times. I think she was trying to intimidate me, which is laughable. Eventually, the ferry trip came to an end and I waited until the last possible second to get back on the coach so that they wouldn't have to walk past me. I was thanked several times by fellow ferry passengers in both French and English for my attempts to shut those kids the heck up. I do wonder how much of a problem it would have been if I woke their kids up at 2am. Alright guys, just put yourself in this position right now. You are OP. Or you are one of OP's kids. You're knackered, you have had a great holiday, fair enough, but you just want to get a little bit of terrible shut eye. Look, you're on an overnight ferry anyway. It's not ideal. No one's enjoying this situation, but come on. The last thing you want is this. And to be honest, don't really blame the kid. Because if the kid is being enabled by these terrible parents who are actively trying to avoid, like you can imagine them, they're like, oh, I don't want to get annoyed by these other adults again. Let's just move to another corner of the ship as far away from our shrieking kids as we possibly can. I mean, who knows? The girl's probably annoying them at the same time, right? But they're just like, oh, don't even care. Let her roam free. Not my problem, even though that's my daughter. Then, um, yeah, I can't really blame the kid too much. You know what's funny, though? I think this is true. These adults are probably the sort of people that when it affects them, they go mental. You can just see it from a mile away, right? Probably even with their own daughter. Like, if they were the ones that were trying to sleep at 2 a.m. and someone else was making noise, even their own daughter, as OP said at the very end of this, then goodness me, I think they would have given it absolute hell. But... No, because it's not really affecting them. It's not their problem, so they don't care. And now for our final entitled parent story of this episode. Deadbeat mum decides to make demands from me. My childhood was an absolute trash show, and I'm still dealing with the ramifications today. My parents divorced when I was barely two years old. My father was very abusive and was in and out of jail and homelessness my whole life. When I was six, my mum, who was a once a month on the weekends parent, she never showed up to the custody hearings, so the judge gave custody to my abusive dad, decided she couldn't be a mother anymore, married another man, moved states, and had another child that she loved enough to raise. I only saw my bio mother about five times in my entire childhood. I was raised by my abusive father and my grandma until he OD'd when I was 17. My mum didn't want to go to the courts to get custody and neither did my grandma since I was a senior in high school. So CPS decided to just let me keep living with my grandma until I graduated. So I became a legal orphan. I was able to go to college for free due to being an orphan and being in poverty. I eventually joined the military, moved out of my trash house state, got married and I've been living a great life ever since. I went about seven years without speaking with my bio mum on the phone or in person until randomly about two years ago when I went back to my home state to visit my dad's side of the family. 
I hadn't seen them in over three years. I avoid going home often because everyone but me are either druggy or living in poverty, so they're always harassing my husband and I for money, favors, etc., while also yelling at me for having the audacity to fight my way out of poverty and make a life for myself. Anyway, my bio mum called me and had apparently moved back to my home state with my half-sister several years ago, and I had no idea. She begged me to meet her in person, where she then spent two hours sobbing about how sorry she is for abandoning me to my abusive father and how she regrets it every day. I tentatively agreed to forgive her and slowly build a relationship. She was happy with just my half-sister at first, but is now upset that I treat her now as some distant aunt instead of having a mother-daughter relationship. To be honest, we'll never have a mother-daughter relationship. If she wanted one, she should have raised me. Anyway, my half-sister also decided to reach out to me and create a relationship. We talk all the time and have become close. The last time I went home to visit, we went out to eat and she asked me what the plan was for mum once she gets too old to take care of herself. I said whatever she decides to do, I'll emotionally support her for her decision. She asked what I meant and I said that really I have zero plans to financially or physically help my mother in any way. She didn't raise me. She doesn't get the joy of having her oldest daughter take care of her in her old age. My half-sister was very upset with me and ran and told my mum, who then decided to start blowing up my phone, saying that she apologized and is trying, but that doesn't mean that I can abandon her in her time of need. I just laughed and hung up the phone. My husband freaking hates her and only puts up with her at all because of me. I don't know where this audacity is coming from. I don't know her and she doesn't know me, but because I have more money and no kids, she thinks I should be the one to house and help her. Nope, not happening. And there we go, a pretty simple one in its conclusion, in my opinion. When the burden was on her to help you out, she didn't want anything to do with you and didn't even want to help one iota. But when the roles have been reversed and the burden is now potentially on you to help her out financially or in any way, oh, no, I really need your help. And actually, it's really unfair that you're not helping me by giving me money after all the amazing parenting I did back in the day. It's as simple as that. She doesn't care for you as much as she's trying to fake that she does. She just wants your cash. Sorry, but that's the truth. And thankfully, OP knows it. I invited my aunt to a family reunion cruise and she wants everyone to pay an additional $1,000 for her kids to have fun. I've really been struggling on whether or not to post this because I just want this situation to be resolved. My husband and I moved away from our homestay approximately five years ago. And since then, my husband hasn't been back to visit. It's been easier for me to go because I have more family that I'm close with and he would prefer to save his limited vacation time and watch our dogs. However, we've reached a point where we decided it's time for both of us to make a trip down together and make the effort to plan something with family and friends that he hasn't seen in a long time. We decided the easiest way for us to get some quality time in with people would be to invite everyone on a cruise this summer. We have around 40 people that we're inviting total, many of whom fit the senior demographic and all, of course, will have varying incomes. A cruise is already a high barrier to entry, so my priority has been finding a line that would be as accessible as possible financially would go through Glacier Bay while also fitting the needs of as many people as possible. I ended up settling on Holland America after all things considered. Well, as soon as I invited my aunt and uncle, she immediately jumped in the driver's seat, trying to control which line we took. First, it was that we had to cruise through Norwegian or a line that was first and foremost family oriented. She explicitly told me, if my kids are miserable, we will be miserable. 
Her children are 11 and 14. So I find this absolutely ridiculous. This is a family reunion. And secondly, at this age, they should be old enough to understand why we're not taking their typical cruise for this trip. For reference, Holland America is a line targeting older people. Yes. However, they still have pickleball courts, cornhole, shuffleboard, a large selection of board games, family-friendly entertainment, and a large pool with the ability to be converted to an indoor pool when we reach the glaciers, unlike other ships. My husband cruised as a 10-year-old boy before he had a phone or other tech, and attests that he didn't even use the child amenities on the ship and had a good time hanging out, eating desserts, and swimming. We would also be happy to bring a spare Nintendo Switch or even the Steam Deck that I recently got as a gift. I made the mistake of entertaining the cruises she was sending by looking at them all, and I quickly realized they were all either astronomically more expensive didn't go through glacier bay or a ship that would be absolutely packed with children which would not be a cruise the rest of the family would have a relaxing time on i've had to do a lot of work in setting boundaries over the years and i find people with controlling personality types to be extremely triggering when they don't consider the needs of everyone else Ultimately, though, I recognize the importance of needing to stand my ground in this situation with the original cruise, and I try to tell her no in a nice way with an explanation on why. I can't let this difference in price potentially be the reason why my husband's best friend or cousins couldn't afford to come. Now, I never got a reply, and later I learned that she'd called my grandma trying to play sides and win over support for the line she wants. My grandma agreed with our plan, but she did admit that the situation with my aunts robbed some of the joys that she'd had about the trip, which upsets me on her behalf. My aunts also told my grandma they wouldn't go if it's the line I chose. I am very disappointed in this, and I will be hurt if this is the case. I attended several family reunions as a child with no technology, and I had to sit in the car for 30 plus hours and was still happy to go with my grandparents. And I was even younger than these kids, so I'm a bit taken aback as to why their kids need so much to have a good time. Ever since I sent the text, I've had radio silence from her. My uncle, on the other hand, seems to completely understand in his reply, but I honestly don't know if he feels the same way as her behind the scenes. As a young couple in our late 20s, my husband and I aren't on the cruise ship of our dreams, but we need to be thinking of everyone here. And I hope as time goes on, she can put things into perspective and understand me better. At this point, I don't feel responsible to explain myself any more than I already have. And what they decide to do is out of my control. You know what? In my opinion, there's a simple enough solution here. Just tell your aunt that she will be thoroughly missed on your trip, but you're not going to change the plans and make them $1,000 per person more expensive just because of her and her kids. Of course, you're not going to do that simple as that the other thing that i don't get is that if you go on any cruise ship at all even if it's targeted at seniors there is still a lot of stuff for young kids to do the beauty of a cruise ship is that you get on and off and then once you're off obviously there are things to do and once you're on are they really not gonna have fun on an entire cruise ship eating great food from a buffet swimming um i don't know doing anything playing ball games chilling going on their phone or whatever like there's so much stuff to do and also you're on holiday it just screams entitled and i guess that makes sense Nonetheless, let's carry on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're identical twins, so you have to financially support my kid. Okay, so this isn't my story. This is my best friend Tommy's. All names have been changed, by the way. Tommy and I became best friends in middle school. We bonded over the fact that we're both identical twins who have horrible twin siblings. Tommy's brother Jack is a deadbeat who thinks everything should be handed to him. He also is a huge player and has a new girlfriend every few months. This eventually came back to bite him in the butt when he got one of them pregnant. Now, Jack has no job and lives with his parents, who completely support him. But when they found out he got his girlfriend pregnant, they made it clear that he had to get a job if he wanted to stay there. His girlfriend Abby also has no job and has the same attitude as Jack. Neither wants to work and they both believe everyone else should be supporting them Now tommy has a good job and makes good money which absolutely angers jack when they found out abby was pregnant They asked tommy for a substantial amount of money tommy refused which caused jack to get mad This caused them to come up with an insane plan to get money out of tommy One day they confronted tommy and told him that if he didn't give them the money They would just say he was the father and go after him for child support They read a story online where a woman actually did end up getting child support from two identical twins as they couldn't figure out the father What that is mental from what tommy told me they had pretty smug looks on their faces when they told him Here's a sum up of how the conversation went They were at a party for one of tommy and jack's relatives when jack and abby come up and talk to tommy So have you changed your mind about giving us the money asked jack? No, we figured you'd say that so we have another plan. What's the plan? Well, since you won't give us the money, we thought of another idea. What are you talking about? Abby read online about how a woman was able to get child support from two identical twin brothers because DNA wise they couldn't tell who the father was So we're gonna tell people you're the father and since your DNA is the same as mine Any test will come out positive now Tommy was a little shocked when they first said that not because he was worried But because he realized his brother was an even bigger and dumber jerk than he thought Jack I know you smoke a lot of weed and who knows what else but you seriously can't be this dumb. I'm not dumb. I'm a genius. It worked before. Look it up. Yeah, you're forgetting a very important factor in all of this. What's that? You know, the whole having cancer as a teenager thing? The countless round of chemo? The multiple surgeries? Yeah, nice try, but people can still have kids after cancer, mate. Look it up. This caused Tommy to start laughing. Why are you laughing? Because, you idiot, I had testicular cancer. Both my testicles were removed. I've literally been sterile for over 13 years. Well, they don't know that. Yeah, my medical history does. All I have to do is show them and the case will easily be thrown out. This made Jack and Abby mad and they started belittling Tommy, calling him every name in the book. For those worried about the baby, they did eventually end up putting the baby up for adoption. Well, I'm not quite sure what's more ridiculous. The fact that someone's own brother forgot they had their testicles removed after having cancer or that they're going after their own brother trying to get child support for their child. I mean, both are pretty crazy. And I guess if there was one good thing to come out of having testicular cancer is that your own identical twin brother can't 
put responsibilities on you about their child. It's a stretch, isn't it? It really is. But uh, hey, so is this entire story. I will say though, I do want to find the story about the woman who actually did this successfully because that is mental. Like, say you didn't have your testicles removed. Could this genuinely have happened? I don't see why not, right? You do have the same DNA. That would have been unbelievable. Okay, then now moving on to our final story of today's episode. And guys, I have saved the best till last on this one. This one is a little bit more serious than the previous two, I guess. Although I'm not saying that testicular cancer isn't serious. You'll get what I mean. Maybe it's a little deeper, but nonetheless, it's a great one. Parents threw me out as a child and then expected everything from me when my grandparents died. I was born when my mother and father were only 17. It forced both of my parents to drop out of high school and each get a GED so they could find work right away. My father especially was not happy about this because he had dreams of playing football in college and instead he had to work at a gas station. He said to my face many times that I ruined his dream. My mother hardly raised me at all as she had to work too. They had a cranky old lady next door watch me most of the time. She wasn't so bad. She gave me more attention than my parents did. My father eventually managed to land a better job as a manager due to his experience running the gas station. It was right after that my mum got pregnant with my sister. I was six when she was born. I wasn't exactly shown much love before that. But once my sister came along, it was made pretty obvious to even my six-year-old self that I was unwanted. The only ones who seemed to care were my paternal grandparents and somewhat my babysitter. And they were more like my parents as they treated me the way a little kid needed to be loved. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment. And as my sister got older, it went from me sharing a bedroom with her to me kicked out of the room entirely. I slept on the couch for two years. And I barely had anything to my name other than clothes, school supplies, and an old Game Boy. When I was 10, my parents decided they were going to move away. But this move did not include me. I ended up actually being fine with this as my grandparents had agreed to take me in. My life was instantly better. I got my own room again and my grandparents gifted me a brand new N64 in 1996. That Christmas, I got a Game Boy Pocket too. And there were a couple of other kids my age in the neighborhood I got to hang out with. We rode bikes, played video games, shot cans with pellet guns, built forts and got dirty playing in the creek. You know, stuff a normal kid would enjoy. I was finally happy. As time went on, I grew up and eventually moved out. But I later moved back in to help my grandparents' house as they were getting old and living off their retirement savings. So some rent money from me went a long way in paying the bills. My grandpa was the kind of person who'd wanted to build a bomb shelter during the Cold War, but never got around to it. He wanted to volunteer for the military in the 60s, but was turned down due to a medical condition and the fact his eyesight wasn't great. So he focused on saving whatever he thought he needed. He told me many times it was better to have something and not need it than need it and not have it. Our area suffered from numerous power outages in winter due to heavy winds and storms. So having gasoline and propane for heaters and generators was a must. All these saving habits became my own as time went on as it was better to need this stuff rarely than not have it at all. Of course, there was RHOA bothering us, but that's its own other story. The problem is, about five years back, my grandma died suddenly, and my grandpa was heartbroken. He also went about a year and a half later. Pretty much everything they owned was willed to me. Their savings, their house, their vehicles, their stuff, everything. The house was long paid off and grandpa knew how to keep up with its maintenance. In fact, after grandma died, he kind of doubled down on renovating the place. 
He had the roof redone, the house repainted by us inside and out, and we fixed a lot of little things. Grandpa's neighbor, George, even came by to help redo the plumbing. Ironically, the HOA was rather happy with these changes because the house didn't look run down anymore. One morning, I was fixing breakfast and my grandpa never came downstairs. You couldn't keep the man from his bacon. So I went to check on him and he wasn't moving. I called 911 and paramedics came only to tell me that he'd passed in his sleep. My parents made grandpa's funeral a trash show. They didn't bother to show up for grandma's. They were too busy. And at grandpa's funeral, they didn't seem to grieve at all. My sister also showed up wearing a brightly colored designer dress, which I wasn't happy about as it was a church clothes only function. I noticed my parents repeatedly whispering to each other and glaring at me whenever I looked at them. I come to find out at the will reading that my parents knew that they'd been disinherited long ago for their treatment of me. And they thought it was extremely unfair that I got everything. They threatened to sue me to contest the will and I got repeated calls and messages from my father, mother and sister telling me I needed to do the right thing and give my father what was supposed to be his. I told them all to flake off in far more unsavory words. My parents ended up taking me to court to challenge the will, but the judge ruled in my favor after seeing the will and hearing us both out. So it wasn't a long drawn out legal battle. The judge even looked at my parents with absolute disgust after seeing the will and hearing about their mistreatment of me in my childhood. He called my father a terrible parent and that my grandparents were right to disown him. My father just hung his head in silence, but he made sure to stop me outside the courtroom and tell me I was always the biggest mistake of his life and that if he could go back in time, he'd make sure I never existed. He should have been a football star and instead he has to wear a name tag for a nine to five. I told him that mistake or not, grandma and grandpa could see what kind of nasty person he was. I didn't ask to be born and the only real love I ever got was from my grandparents and he was no father of mine anymore. You see, what's funny about all of that is that his outburst immediately after the court proceedings, guys, just confirmed exactly what the judge said, that he is a terrible father. Tough. I got a few more threatening and harassing phone calls, as well as some letters from my parents, all demanding money among other things. But over time, they just stopped as I was completely stonewalling them. I never responded to the emails or letters and I stayed silent during the phone calls. A few times, I just let the phone sitting on the counter with them ranting till they realized I wasn't listening. Aside from not getting the house or money, my parents seemed particularly irked they could not even get a rise out of me. But I was prepared to go to war against them and they knew it. So in the end, they just left me alone. From what I know, looking at Facebook the past decade, my sister tried to get into modeling, got married, had two kids, got divorced, and is currently unhappy working a job that she feels is beneath her. My mother currently works retail and is also vocal about her disdain of it. Like my father, she peaked in high school. She was a cheerleader back then and even had her old uniform framed on the wall. My father has pretty much had the same job for 25 years. He must be good at it if he's still doing it. As for me, well, I'm in my late 30s now and I live pretty much debt-free in a nice neighborhood. I haven't really had a girlfriend since high school and I've had little motivation to ever have another relationship. But loneliness gets to everyone, so maybe I'll try to find someone soon. Not many are in the financial position that I'm in at my age. Single, paid off house, two vehicles, and a decent amount in the bank. I guess I could aim to be a stepfather. That might be more my speed. And there we go. That is the end of that one. A lovely little slide dig your dad right at the end there, which I'm not going to lie, I absolutely loved. 
Oh, you must love the job if you've been in it for 25 years. It definitely won't be because you can't get any other job and you're forced to remain in that one that you actually really dislike. That definitely wouldn't be the reason. Just love it. What a way to end it. All I would say now from your perspective, OP, is even though you are very young, as you say, make sure you get your own will. Because the worst thing that could possibly happen now would be to say you god forbid happened to get into an accident or something happened illness whatever and you passed imagine now that your entire family that you've pretty much disowned get all the things that they were after in the first place you have to make sure that in the worst of the worst case scenarios that can't happen so get a will and give everything to your friends your mates anyone doesn't even matter as long as it's not your family and they don't get the stuff that they've been trying to get for so many years that's good so just uh yeah cover yourself make sure you've done 99% of the work that last 1% is what you need to do just to ensure that they never get anything neighbor opens my parcel and shouts at me for the contents i can't actually believe this conversation just happened the sheer entitlement and ridiculousness of it has made me laugh but also left me speechless i ordered a mug from amazon as a gift to my best mates the mug had the word c-u-n-t on it with the c as the handle cute mug would recommend anyway there is a house on the street next to mine that has a very similar address to mine and i'll often get their post and they sometimes get mine for example my address would be something like number six random streets and theirs is number six random side street it's annoying as they're different plus or minus one word but the names of myself and that family are so wildly different that you think the postman or any delivery driver might have got used to that by now but i digress i had the notification from amazon to say my mug had been delivered and was in the safe place i go to check and it isn't and so i go round to the similar address's house to see if it was indeed there and i get no answer i decide that i'll try again later and or they'll bring it over before i contact amazon now a few days pass and they don't bring my parcel around so i get amazon to replace it but then half an hour ago there was a knock on my door I opened the door to the father of the family at the similar address holding my Amazon parcel that's been opened and he quite literally throws it at me. Before I can form words, he says, My 11-year-old child opened that. Don't you ever order something so disgusting again? How dare you? And he started to storm off. I register what the heck he just said and I shout after him. Wait, what the? No one should be opening my post anyway. That's a criminal offense. How dare you have the cheek to come to my house and berate me for opening my post? He just waved his hand at me dismissively and carried on walking. I just stood there for a good minute trying to figure out if that actually happened. Well, it did. And now I have two CUNT mugs. I'm so tempted to leave one on his doorstep with a note saying, you can keep it, mate. It's definitely been made for you. Wow, what a way to end things once and for all. I mean, hearing that after just being so angry and then your neighbor saying that to you, that has got to hurt. So good. I feel like at this point, you have any excuse to order your neighbor just whatever you want. It could be something, you know, pretty adult, naughty, just downright disgusting. I feel like if they're opening your post, then, you know, let them open your post, right? And, and see what other surprises you have for them. It's so weird though. Them getting angry at you for opening your post. Mental. My cousin's wife tried to put their young son on a plane flight with me. Oh boy, here we go. I've looked on this subreddit for years, but stopped due to the pandemic for mental health reasons. But I've wanted to tell this story for a while now. Let's start from the beginning. It was my very first semester as a college freshman. I officially moved into my college dorm to start this new chapter of my life. 
I'm an international student, so it was a tough experience once reality settled. Thankfully, I had my cousin, whom I haven't seen in years, and his wife, who lived in Dallas, who helped me with getting a US number, bedding, and school supplies. Fast forward to Thanksgiving break. I accepted my cousin's offer to go to Dallas for the break, since it was better than staying in the dorms. I met his two kids, a son and a daughter. We catch up with each other, seeing how our lives have gone up to that point. The break ended and I went back to college to study for finals. Then it happened. My cousin's wife asked for a favor via text. The favor? Take their eight-year-old son home back to the Caribbean with me because his godmother wanted to see him. I told her that I wasn't able to do that because I didn't know when my exams would be finished. I actually did know when, I just told her that so she would leave me alone or do something herself. I'd already made up my mind with my mum's support that I wasn't doing that. Fast forward to a few weeks later. I was chilling in the airport, minding my own business, when my cousin called me. He asked if I was doing something for his wife. I said no and explained myself in the situation. He thanked me and I thought that would be the end of it. But no, I saw her with their son holding a suitcase and a carry-on when I was walking to my gate. My cousin was nowhere to be seen. I asked her what she was doing. She gave me some sob story of how his godmother wanted to see him and told me that he'll be good as he was hugging my leg. I was shocked. I felt my heart race. The groups were being called and I had to make a decision. Notes, I'd just turned 18 at the time and I barely knew this child. I like to have everything in order and pre-planned to avoid confusion and this would complicate everything furthermore immigration would be on my case finally i don't know who his godmother is or what she looks like i told her no stating that if she wanted to do this they could have planned a family trip together and not dumped their kid on me she said that she already bought the ticket and i might as well take him i told her no again and then got on my flights my family was proud of me for standing my ground as they didn't like her either turns out that sometime after or during the pandemic my cousin and his wife got divorced understandable his now ex-wife went behind his back trying to get his son on an international flight when they could have planned a family trip together yeah crazy i'm not gonna lie halfway through this one i was thinking you know what it's pretty poor from this woman but your family is there no way you can just sit with this kid for a bit of the flight and make sure he's okay and then go your own separate ways when you get to the get to the country but even that is a lot of effort so that's probably not a good decision but then hearing all the rest of the context here you don't even know what the woman who's supposed to be picking him up looks like how would that ever work so what you're just gonna give him to a random stranger that you've never met what where's the logic there i mean clearly there isn't any but my goodness me and i think at the end you were saying that that his mum and dad had already been divorced before this debacle if that is the case that does make sense even if they then got divorced it still makes sense because she's clearly a deluded and strange messed up individual oh and apparently flying internationally with a child requires documentation according to the comments especially when not immediate family well there you go so that would have massively impacted your flight as well because the security would have been like well what are you doing here who is this kid god what a mess that would have been all because of this crazy lady now for our third story of this episode cousin was mad i didn't barbecue food without seasoning for her baby on the weekend immediately after july 4th i hosted a family barbecue My slightly older cousin in her mid-30s had told me that she was not coming a week in advance. Then, about two hours before the event, she changes her mind and tells me she will be coming with her husband and her one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. This was not a problem. We bought enough food for there to be lots of leftover. While we were there, my husband and I were slaving away in front of three barbecues in the yard to cook for a group of 24 people 
and a baby. We didn't have time to take a break or go inside with everyone else. They were inside because it was raining. During this time, my cousin or her husband constantly came over to complain about our food. They were the only ones who complained that the food was too salty. Everyone else who came over to speak with us loved and devoured the food. After the Wagyu tomahawks were served, my cousin came over again. Wow, that sounds good, by the way. This time, her face was red and she was livid. It was red from anger, not drinking. She's a non-drinker. She started complaining that we should have known better and that her baby couldn't eat such salty foods and that we should have made separate food for them unseasoned. I told her that there was no way we could have done that. We already bought all the food we needed beforehand. Everything was seasoned or dry brined ahead of time. I suggested giving her a big bowl of water so she could try washing off any seasoning before feeding her baby, but she said that wasn't good enough. That's when her husband showed up and suggested that I go to the butcher and buy another tomahawk and come back. That way, their daughter could also have some unseasoned. My husband said no. We weren't wasting time, gas, and money on a one and a half year old. And even if we did, she obviously would not have been able to finish an entire steak. I just don't understand what changed. She was never like this before she had her kid. Now she expects the world to revolve around her. Is this something that involuntarily happens to a large percentage of new parents? Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. I would invite my child to your wedding. Uh, By the way, didn't say she was going to come, but uh, now she's coming. Now that, to be fair, isn't great, but also you need to change the entire menu for her. Yeah, Uh, if you could just do that really quickly, that'd be so good. Pop to the shops, uh, leave the barbecue and everyone else's food. Just go to the shops quickly, spend a bit of money on a brand new steak that she's obviously not going to eat. And don't put any salt in it this time, just for her, because we gave you such a big warning of a couple of hours, you clowns. I would say to answer your question up here at the end, yes, I, I think. I mean, look, parents in the comments, let me know. I do imagine that, that when you have new parents, they, they they do think that the kid is their world because for them it is. But for other people, it is not. And that is the, uh, is the difference, I think. These parents need to understand that. Yes, you love your kid very much and it's the center of your universe, but no one else actually cares about your child. That's, that's the truth, let's be completely honest. I mean, that's a bit harsh. Some people care, but most people do not care. And now for our final story of this episode. This one is an absolute whirlwind. Worst Karen I've ever seen caused the blow up for the ages because I wouldn't give her son a black belt on his first day of karate. First up, some background. I teach Kenpo Karate as a second degree black belt. I also have an assistant, Kira, a first degree black belt in her own right. I don't own the gym, my instructor does, but since he's gotten older, me and Kira handle the younger classes while he handles the business side of things plus adult class. We have three classes, a kids class of ages five to 10, an intermediate class, 11 to 15, and an adult class, age 16 and up. So onto the story. The kids class has just ended and a woman walks in with her son. She says her 13-year-old son wants to take karate lessons. So I shake hands with her and have her sit down with my instructor to fill out the waivers and get him his G measurements. Other students file in for the intermediate class and me and Kira get down to business. I take the bulk of the class, around 15 kids, while Kira goes with a new student one-on-one to teach him basic strikes and stances. Not five minutes later, I hear Kira upset, telling the new boy to do 10 push-ups. Why? Well, he called Kira, who's essentially a volunteer, a frickin' female dog. Karen, the mother, stands up and says her son can't do push-ups, as she doesn't want her son to be sore. Kira lets him do the push-ups on his knees, but not five minutes later, she makes him do 20 more, since he's now called her 
a S word. What? For reference, Kira is in her early 20s and the boy is 13. Not to mention there's other parents and kids here as well. It's wholly inappropriate. So I walk over and ask Kira to switch with me. As she does, she gives me the bug eyes and mouths. What the frick? So I walk over and ask the boy why he insulted my assistant Kira. He said he doesn't like girls. When I asked him what he meant, he said he only listens to his dad or other boys. He won't listen to me at all. He needs some discipline, the mother confirms to me, chuckling, as if raising a monster is something to laugh about. When do I get a black belt like you have? The boy asked me. Mind you, he's been punched in the air the entire time. This boy is aggressively hyper. Well, it takes a while. I've been training since I was five and I earned my black belt at 21. So it took me a while, I say. Nah, I don't want to wait that long. I want mine now, he says. His chubby face now red and sweaty from the shadow boxing. The mother motions me over and whispers this in my ear. Do you think you can just give him one? Just to make him happy? No, sorry, he has to earn one. We aren't a belt factory. Well, he never gets told no. I'm sorry, but that's not how we do things here. Look, I have money. I can pay you extra. No, sorry, we only give belts when they're earned. After several minutes of arguing and conversation that leads nowhere, Karen snaps at me. I paid, so you give my son a black belt. She stands up and points a finger in my face. It was so sudden that I reflexively took a step back. Hey, chill out, lady. Some of the other parents chime in. Before I can reply to Karen, I hear a loud commotion behind me. I hear more parents and students shouting. I turn and see the new boy smacking and hitting a girl in the class. Kira is shouting, hey, stop. However, this girl that the new boy is hitting is a purple belt and a little badass of her own. She loads a front kick and hits brat boy center mass right in his flappy stomach. He shouts and doubles over, crying tears of pain. I was so freaking proud of her. Hey, that little female dog hurt my son. Karen runs past me onto the mat and gets in the face of the 14-year-old girl that her son just attacked. The girl is already scared and starts to cry, but Karen ups the ante and shoves this girl in the chest with her hand. Kira gets between them and is red-faced enraged. I immediately rush over and try to defuse the situation, but neither of them are having it. Parents stand up and start shouting. Keep your hands off my daughter. The girl's father, who was with the other parents, yells at Karen. He starts approaching aggressively, but backs off when he realizes that me and Kira, both black belts, are by her. Now, you should know something about Kira. She's under five foot and less than 110 pounds soaking wet, but she can still kick my butt up and down the mat on any given day. She's fast, accurate, and insanely flexible. She can control her body and perform techniques that I just simply can't. So Kira and Karen get into a shouting match with each other. I tell Karen to leave with your kid and don't come back. Don't you ever lay a hand on any of my students. Do you understand? I raised my voice and was genuinely fuming. F you, my son needs a black belt and you won't give him one. She screams back at me. Your son is crazy. He attacked our students, Kira interjects. But this set Karen off as she reaches and tries to slap Kira in the face. Ha ha ha, that's a big mistake. Having had enough, Kira parries the smack and fires an absolutely vicious leg kick right into the meat of Karen's inner thigh with nothing held back. The slap sound of Kira's shin bone decimating Karen's thigh echoed off the ceiling like a slab of meat getting thrown on the floor. It was glorious. Karen gasped as she fell onto the mat in a heap. Oh, 
Oh my god. She held her leg as Brat Boy got up and rushed at Kira. I got in front of her and grabbed the boy's wildly swinging arms. Yeah, he hit me a few times, but I refused to hit children whatsoever. I let him tire himself out. One of the parents called the police. After interviewing everyone involved, they determined that Kira and myself acted in self-defense. Neither of us wanted to pursue assault charges against Karen, but the parents of the girl Karen shoved rightly felt differently about it. So Karen was hauled away in handcuffs. Karen said that she'd sue me and Kira in civil court, but since we have legal waivers, here's hoping that nothing comes of that. As for the boy, I honestly feel bad. His childhood has been robbed by terrible parenting, and I wish we could have had more time to straighten him out. I have particular dislike for his views of women, and I feel like I really could have helped turn him around. Maybe, maybe not. So yeah, that was my experience tonight. Hope you all enjoy reading it more than I did going through it. Well, I did enjoy reading that. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Put yourself in this spot. What are you doing here? What are you doing? It's, like, it's so dumb. If you're going to pick a fight with anybody anywhere, I personally wouldn't choose karate instructors in a dojo. Just doesn't seem like a great idea to me. I do really like, though, what OP said about the kid. It's kind of what I feel with a lot of these children that we do see in these stories. A lot of the time, I don't think it's their fault that they're saying these sort of things, right? You know, horribly sexist things. Like, where's he got that from is what I'm trying to say. You're not born with this in your mind, I don't think. So therefore, clearly, we can tell by the actions of his mother throughout the story as well and the things she's saying, is their terrible parenting. As OP says, there's the reason for this child just being absolutely awful right now. But that is one of the beautiful things about a place like a dojo a community like that yes you're being taught how to how to you know do martial arts and that sort of stuff which is great but you're also getting taught how to be a good human that is as important well probably more important let's be completely fair when you have a kid like this mental scenes and um yeah kind of wish that kira was allowed just to batter her would have been good eh? mama karen wants entitled brat to ring the bell because she deserves it for those of you unfamiliar with a cancer ward or clinic where chemo is administered, and I pray you always will be, there is a little brass bell. This bell is a symbol of hope for all. It marks the end of treatments and the ringing in of the new chapter, hopefully cancer-free. For me, I vomited right before I rang the bell because the anxiety of the unknown was almost as bad as chemo itself. But that's another story. Today, it was Heather's real name. She gave me permission turn to ring the bell. Heather is a really lovely lady. She's 58 with stage 2 ovarian cancer. She had a hysterectomy followed by chemo. Heather's diagnosis is great, but she's had it rough. During the hysterectomy, she almost bled out due to undiagnosed complications. This left her hospitalized for over three weeks, delaying her treatment by over a month and left her fearing the worst. Heather really is the most lovely woman you could meet. She's the grandma everyone wants to have, but is kind of glad they don't. She's funny and loving, but can give you a look that makes you back away like you're staring down a hungry grizzly. Everyone that interacts with Heather loves her. And honestly, the woman saved my sanity on more than one occasion during my treatments. Another thing that may differ from ward to ward is the chemo room. Patients in ours sit in a little oval room that's like a giant lounge with comfy chairs and a little TV. There are drinks and biscuits off to one side and room enough for 10 patients and up to two visitors. As I was leaving my appointment, I saw Heather's daughter who informed me today was the day. So I decided to stick around to see her ring the bell and read it. I'm so glad I did. A couple of weeks ago, a new patient joined the group. We will call him Sam. 
Sam seems like a relatively nice older gentleman with an absolutely awful excuse of a daughter and grandchild. In the limited interactions I've had with these two entitled brats, I've seen the daughter stealing biscuits off people currently hooked up to chemo machines and the mother screaming at nurses for reprimanding the child when she attempted to rip the cannulas out of a patient's arm. Wow. Genuinely no idea why they've not banned the mega monster and her little braticus. Like I said, today was Heather's turn though to ring the bell. Unlike some places where the bell is on the wall, our unit has a little old-fashioned wooden brass bell that the nurses keep behind the desk 90% of the time. Today, just as Heather was getting ready to hopefully walk out for the final time, the nurse brought the bell over to the little side table. At first, the little fallen angel didn't notice the bell. She was too busy attempting to crush the souls of the elderly and infirmed by playing her switch. Not loud enough to be kicked out, but just loud enough to be annoying as all holy hellfire. But at least she was distracted. Once Heather was ready, the nurse stood by the little side table and made a short speech about Heather and her final day of the journey. Just as the speech was wrapping up, the tiny terror shot out of nowhere, almost knocking Heather to the ground. She reached up and grabbed the bell. Now, Heather being the no-nonsense, badass granny she is, took the bell out of baby Beals Bub's hands and firmly but gently said, No, honey, that isn't for you. It's not a toy. My God, did that unleash some kind of mythological demon because the screech that child released at being told no was loud enough to shatter glass. She lunged at Heather, trying to grab the bell from her hand, while mother thinks she's superior, stood up screaming. You can't do that. She's an innocent child. What kind of disgusting woman takes a toy from an innocent child? You're a B word, C word, W word, etc. Give her back the bell. You don't need it. She deserves it more. It was a lot. It wasn't even a conversation. I'm pretty sure she just growled it all in one breath. The harpy screeches went on for about 30 seconds of just incomprehensible nonsense. Bertha Big Mac waddled her way over to Heather to take the bell from her. But Heather just did not have time for her shiz. Heather's got a bell to ring and a life to live. So as the rampaging rhino gets up to Heather, Heather goes heathen on her. She looks this entitled mama dead in the eye and says, Your father must have been insert the name of a certain World War II German political leader in a past life to be lumped with such a sorry excuse for a daughter. Well, this took everyone by surprise as there was a brief pause before Heather unleashed everything she'd been dying to say to this Cerberus. Do you have any idea how exhausting it is to finish a round of treatment with you and your obnoxious brat around making everyone's lives miserable? I know God's testing us, but my God, we already have cancer Now he's saddling us with you too? You're disgusting. You're entitled, you're selfish, you're poorly behaved, and your child is just as awful as you are. And I hate saying that about an innocent child, but my God, she's awful. I've never hated a child until I met yours, but she is really, really awful. She's not been kicked out of school. Did I mention the kid is 10 years old? Because the teachers are targeting her. She's been kicked out of school because she's an entitled bully, just like her entitled mother. And if you want any hope of her having a decent life, you'd become a decent parent and correct some of her behavior. But oh no, that would require correcting yours, you abominable excuse for a human being. It was glorious, awful, awkward and silence betty big mouth had suddenly been struck dumb the tantruming terror was gaping like a fish out of water and then there was sam sam broke the silence when he started laughing like deep belly full-bodied laughter 
Mama Hodai looked horrified, angry, mystified, and humiliated as her father laughed hysterically. To be fair, not sure any of us knew how to react. After what felt like an hour, but was likely about a minute, Sam stopped laughing and told his daughter and granddaughter, you can sit down and shut up or go wait in the car. He then told Heather to go ahead and ring the bell. The slain beast and her beastette slinked back to their seats where they both sat shell-shocked while Heather rang the bell. We clapped. Some of the cheap seats clapped a little too enthusiastically. Then Heather, her daughter, and I sauntered out of the room. Heather and I parted ways at the hospital entrance and I wished her the world of luck, but I've got a feeling she won't need it. If you can slay two Karens in one 90-second rant, cancer is nothing i love heather but my god i'm so glad she isn't my grandma i mean to be honest the only part about the story which i don't really agree with op on is the fact that you're saying that you don't want heather to be your grandma are you joking she sounds unbelievable i get what you're kind of saying slightly i will say you think that maybe she's a little bit too just like stern and sticks up for herself too much perhaps to the detriment of you as her granddaughter maybe you want to have a bit more fun I don't know. I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. To be honest, she just sounds badass, as you said. Now, as for these entitled people, the fact that their own dad, granddad, is laughing at them for a full minute is just mental. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do not understand how one family can contain two sets of people that are just so different. You've got Sam, absolute legend, who just laughs at his own entitled family members. Then you've got as you said, the beast and the beastettes. They were just disgusting individuals. I don't get it. I mean, seriously, ringing that bell after being told you are now cancer-free must be one of the most amazing moments in someone's life. And you're trying to take that away from them. It's nuts. But hey, fair play to Heather, not just for beating cancer, but for also beating entitled people. Now for our next entitled parent story. Entitled stepmonster got herself banned from my wedding. I am a 28 year old man and my stepmother who is 49 is a wannabe party planner. She's taken it upon herself to plan and host every party and holiday my dad's family has thrown since she married him. I never loved those occasions growing up. She's controlling and gets upset if people complain about anything, but humored her for my dad's sake. According to him, this helps her feel included. I'm getting married to my fiance Jane in July. We got engaged in early 2021, but Jane ended up getting pregnant a couple of months after that. And we decided to postpone the wedding to focus on our son for a while. So we've had a long engagement. My stepmother has tried to hijack our wedding plans from day one, complaining, contacting our planner, showing up unannounced to Jane's dress appointments and more. And we've repeatedly asked her to stop. Now dad wants us to humor her again but she's clearly resentful of the fact that she's not hosting the wedding or being labeled mother of the groom in invitations. Besides our baby boy, we also have Luke, who is a four-year-old, Jane's paternal half-brother. She got custody of him a few months into our relationship after his parents died. I ended up moving in with them during the pandemic and have been in Luke's life since he was a baby. He doesn't call me dad and refers to us as his sister and his OP, but we love him like a son. Stepmother though, hates luke okay sorry to interrupt she hates a four-year-old child crazy anyway she accuses jane of baby trapping her way into the family that accusation only got worse after our son was born my dad gets along with jane and adores the kids but stepmother demands him to refuse babysitting luke 
so we don't leave the kids with them often. Instead, Jane's brother and sister-in-law usually watch the kids for us, as their children are close to ours in age. We had a thing last Sunday, and my brother-in-law was out of town with his family. Jane's other siblings live in different cities, as well as my mum and sister. My dad agreed to babysit at our place and we left. We came back to find both kids crying, stepmother screaming, and dad weakly trying to calm everyone down. Apparently, Luke had told stepmother that both he and our son were going to be our ring bearers, and she went ballistic. At a four-year-old, that is. She screamed that she wasn't going to allow that because he wasn't family. She then unfortunately got physical when he started crying. His lip is still split. She'd never gotten to this point before. Oh my. We immediately banned her from our house and from our wedding. Dad is fuming and has said he's not going without her. He's also convinced half of his side of the family by severely downplaying what stepmother did to boycott the wedding as well. This includes my stepbrother, who fully agrees with his mother no matter how many times I try to tell him the truth. Me and Jane are refusing to budge, but many of my cousins who aren't coming anymore are asking us to reconsider. Pretty much all of Jane's family agrees with us, but one of her aunts has suggested that maybe stepmother is acting out because she doesn't feel welcomed by my family. I've honestly had it with my family enabling her behavior. I love my dad and really want him at my wedding, but I'm more than willing to go no contact if it means protecting my family. Now guys, the good news is that there is an update to this post, so we will find out what happens next. However, I do have to say just off the rip, The fact that some people in your family are defending your stepmother because she might feel left out of the family. That's a reason why she's abusing a four-year-old. Like, what is going on there? Seriously, what's going on? And look, maybe it's just a split lip and that's not that deep. No, sorry, I disagree. A four-year-old has been physically hurt and people are defending her. What is she doing? Now, that initial post was written five days ago, but just five hours ago, we got the following updates. I'll start off by saying that me and Jane are going no contact with my dad and stepmom. We haven't really spoken to either of them since the incident, and I don't plan on being the one to reach out. Any communication between us is being handled by my younger sister. She's completely on our side, but will remain in low contact for the time being. I've decided to adopt Jane's way of dealing with people she cares about. Forgive what's apologized for, but never forget. Basically, if dad or my stepmom ever truly understand what they did wrong and sincerely apologize, we are willing to forgive them, even if begrudgingly so, but we will never ignore or let them forget what they did to our family. And for the time being, neither of them will be allowed near Luke, our baby, and any other kids we may have in the future, even if we do forgive them. Well, I for one completely agree with all of that and I'm happy to hear it. As for the rest of my family, I read a lot of comments suggesting that I post pictures of Luke's face, as well as the nanny cam footage. I'm not very active on social media, but even if I was, I'm not comfortable exposing my injured preschooler like that, especially given that nothing on the internet ever truly goes away. I also decided not to share the pictures with my family unless truly necessary. I should probably mention that while my family adores my dad, most of them aren't very fond of my stepmom. She had two failed marriages prior to meeting my father, the first of which resulted in my stepbrother, and he cheated on his then girlfriend to be with her. My family loved that girlfriend and disliked my stepmom right away. Not only has she been controlling and manipulative since the beginning, she's also tried to force her way into the family matriarch role by any means possible. Taking over planning duties for every family event was her favorite way of doing it because of all the attention and compliments that come with it. 
The main reason why I hated these parties growing up was because she'd always find a way to make everything about her including Christmas and mine and my sister's birthdays. The rest of the family felt neutral about it, but they never liked her. With Luke, it was different. Most of my relatives didn't meet him until COVID restrictions got looser and by then he was two years old. He's a bright and genuinely lovable kid and there weren't really any other small children in the family. So everyone immediately started cooing over him. The way I see it, my stepmom got upset that Jane and Luke were accepted by my family so easily compared to her experience. And that is why she resents them both. But I can't confirm that. She was also mad that, aside from not being the planner, she would have absolutely no involvement in the wedding party. She tried to pressure us into letting her officiate. One of Jane's best friends was offered that role a year ago, making stepbrother my best man. He wasn't interested and I'd already got on my best friend or asking her sister's daughter to be our flower girl. But we'd promised Jane's three-year-old niece. Also, her sister's daughter is 15 and doesn't know us. Sorry, that is so weird. Imagine just a random 15-year-old girl being like, uh, yeah, let me just carry these flowers. Sorry, just got a funny image in my head. Anyway, she also tried to convince us to let my dad walk Jane down the aisle since her father's gone. But her eldest brother, the brother-in-law I mentioned in the first post, had already been enlisted. Okay, that one is crazy. My stepmom was disappointed that my family wasn't as involved in the wedding as Jane's and kept making comments about how that would never happen if we put me in charge. All of that being said, there is nothing that can excuse being that awful to a child, especially if it really is the petty jealousy that I suspect. Because I haven't spoken with my father, my sister has been keeping me updated on what he's been up to. As I found out through her, the story my dad and stepmom told the rest of the family completely erases Luke's injury and the abuse charges. Oh yeah, guys, OP left a really small edit on the first post saying that they actually were going to press charges on the stepmom for what she did to Luke, which is completely fair. It insinuates that me and Jane banned them because we got annoyed with my stepmom and decided to take it out on my dad as well. Because most people already dislike my stepmom, explaining what actually happened that night wasn't hard. And most of the relatives that I actually wanted at the wedding have apologized and are now berating my dad as well. The people that didn't believe us, as well as those saying we overreacted, have been told they are not welcome in our home anymore. Those are mostly people from my dad's generation, so I can't say I'm surprised. But the realization that they're so biased that they're willing to protect a woman they hate after she hurt a child just to make my dad happy has reassured me that I don't need any of them in my life. My stepbrother is still in denial. He refuses to believe his mother could hurt a child, even with all the evidence we have. I have to admit, I understand. I love my mum too, but that doesn't mean I'd excuse his obliviousness. So he's banned too. It sucks because we were close growing up, but I don't regret it. Besides, Jane has three other siblings besides Luke, the older brother-in-law, a twin brother, and a younger sister, and I'm closer to them than I ever was with him. Speaking of Jane's family, they're all furious over what happened and have been extremely supportive of us. Jane's maternal family basically adopted Luke after she got custody of him and have called frequently to make sure he's okay. We did manage to save some money with everybody we uninvited and have decided to use it to help Jane's cousin. She lives in a different country and was previously unable to come to the wedding, so we're paying for her plane ticket. That is awesome. Luke has gotten much better and is almost completely back to being the sunny child he's always been. 
The split lip was shallow. It's healing slowly, but didn't require any stitches. We sat him down a few days ago and explained that my dad and step monster wouldn't be around anymore. He really liked my dad, but understands that he and stepmom are attached at the hip. He's clearly scared of her, but we're doing our best to make him feel safe. That is so sad that a four-year-old has that much terror in their lives at that age. Wow. Me and Jane have reassured him that he is family. We love him and no one will ever change that. I'm not too worried about my dad or stepmom trying to show up at the wedding, but we've alerted the venue and given them pictures just in case they try anything. Better safe than sorry. Some people brought attention to the fact that my stepmom is a hypocrite for saying Luke isn't family. I agree, for obvious reasons. Her main excuse for pretty much everything she does is that she doesn't feel like my family welcomes her. Dad has been guilting me to take part in everything she plans by reminding us of that for as long as I can remember. The way he continues to make excuses for her without realizing this is basically a case of the pot calling the kettle black except luke actually is family this is what has made me accept that while i will always love my dad it's not healthy or safe for me and my family to be around him anymore it hurts to know that my son won't have his only remaining bio grandfather in his life but he has two amazing step grandpas to make up for it for now i'm sad but satisfied with how things have turned out I don't like to complain about my life. It's a mess, but a beautiful one. I love my fiance, I love my kids, and I'm lucky enough to love my job. We're happy, and I'm not letting anyone ruin that. And there we go. Great story. Really enjoyed that one. You know what? I really like the fact that throughout this, you kept almost reminding us the reason as to why you were treating your dad in the same way you were treating your stepmom, alienating him from the family. Well, not alienating him, but you know what I mean. Going no contact. When he, to be fair himself wasn't doing anything particularly badly but yeah you just summed it up at the end right there the fact that he is enabling your stepmom's disgusting behavior if anything is just as bad as what your stepmom is doing right now op has said that they hope that this is the last update on the story but they'll keep us posted it's one of those ones i really really hope that they do not show up at your wedding but if they do wow it would make for some Reddit post. They called me a baby factory, so now they'll never see me again. I wanna say first, I had a difficult childhood, but not because of them. I was a happy kid who had friends and was kinda adjusted, but we were poor. We jumped across the US about twice, and my siblings and father were all disabled in different ways. My youngest sibling and dad were hard of hearing, and my youngest sister had brain and back injuries due to Chiari malformation. Look it up, it's actually a very interesting disease. Ah, it's a condition where the lower part of the brain pushes down into the spinal canal. Well, I must say that sounds truly terrible. But when things started really changing was when I was in high school, around my junior year of school. I met a dude and we were best friends, then we dated. Newsflash, he was a terrible person. It ended in me and my sister getting a restraining order against him and both my siblings seeing and hearing things about me they should never have been exposed to. I graduated high school even though I probably shouldn't have with my grades. I'm pretty sure my teachers just pitied me. And then after like a month, I got diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Go figure, who could have guessed? I get on Adderall and it works great for one day. Then it devolved into me having all day panic attacks, vivid and extreme hallucinations, massive problems with an eating disorder, and an inability to control any emotion. It led me to backhanding my youngest sibling over a dispute involving the dishwasher that I still to this day would do anything to reverse 
if I could. I don't remember that three months or so, period. I blocked out most of the memories because they were so mentally and emotionally taxing that just thinking about that makes me depressed. But at the time, I really thought that my parents were doing everything they could to help me through that time. They could have done more, but I reasoned they were working and didn't have all the time in the world to baby me, so I should handle this myself. Eventually, all by myself, I decided to go cold turkey and went through withdrawals which were almost as hellish as the actual meds themselves. Looking back now, I realized that the only way my parents could have been more hands off were if they'd packed their bags and moved out. They didn't talk to me about anything. They didn't help me keep track of symptoms. When I attacked my siblings, they didn't protect them from me or me from myself. Now as a 22 year old on new meds, my doctor just within the last month looked at my old records and was appalled because they started me as an 18 year old who was very new to meds and sensitive to them at a dose for grown adults well into their Adderall usage. She told me they started me off at around 25 milligrams when she normally prescribes around five to 10 for new users. So they didn't advocate for me at all during this mentally traumatic time immediately after being traumatized for almost a year. They took me to a therapist who noticed I was writing a story with an obvious self-insert and very influenced storylines from my day-to-day life. When she asked to see my drawings and everything, the next time my mother pulled me from therapy, saying something I still remember to this day. I didn't send you here so she could ask you about your stories. I sent you here so she can talk about how your ex messed you up. She's not doing this fast enough. Well, come the end of summer, and even though I was still struggling with leaving the house just for a Walmart trip, they sent me to school for college across the state and basically wiped their hands clean of me. I went into survival mode. I believed my parents were right, and I needed this, so I did my best to fake it till I made it. I shouldn't have been there, but in the long run, it was what saved me. My friends I met there are some of the people who I've chosen as family, and I met my current fiance while there through friends. Funnily enough, I wasn't allowed off campus. Even though my parents lived about two and a half hours away and wouldn't have known otherwise, it took convincing from one of my friends to go about two hours in another direction, and that's where I met my fiance. My parents really don't like Connor, but they did like the free labor he did for them and how mature he was to keep me in line for them. Now they could pawn off the driving around and emotions on him because they never bothered to teach me how to drive or get a job or regulate my emotions. Connor could do all of that quite well though, so they let him teach it to me. But whenever the idea of him got brought up as my boyfriend, they would clam up. They did not want me to date anyone, not after my ex. I thought it was them just worrying about me after a traumatic period and I was grateful for it. Connor helped us move like five times. He did free things for my parents all the time and he was nothing but respectful the entire time he's known them. But eventually they moved to the same city I was going to college in and I was going through a hard patch again. COVID had hit at the end of my freshman year and now they were living here in my college town and I started half online school for my sophomore year. Living with my parents again was hell. I was used to at this point living in a dorm and I wanted to come and go as I pleased. My friends got me rides and I fought and fought and fought to get a job until one day I applied anyways and started working at a McDonald's. I was doing terribly in school. I didn't want to be in it anymore. Distance learning was difficult for me and they weren't doing anything to help me. I was slowly becoming suicidal again and I wanted nothing more than to find my own place. During this time, my dad was constantly working overtime. And one day when I was probably at my lowest, he made a joke that he was 
picking up all the overtime just to get away from you. I still remember it clear as day. I was mentally declining and becoming more and more erratic as time passes because I was spiraling again and they just sat by and watched it happen while continuously judging me, making backhanded comments as I did. All the way up to this point, I was not known for fashion or hygiene. I was constantly self-conscious and didn't have control of my ADHD, so I was never one to doll myself up. But me and Connor were going to go on a date. So I grabbed my prettiest dress, some tights and my favorite flats and did my hair all nice. And I even tried makeup. I felt so pretty and Connor was showering me with texts filled with compliments as he was on his way to pick me up. My mum and siblings got there first. My mum took one look at me and told me to go change. She burst out laughing and was hysterical over my outfits. She couldn't calm down. And the reason she was laughing is because I'm a big chested girl and I'd gained weight as of recently because my eating disorder was flipping from anorexia to binge eating. None of my clothes fit me. I was in tears and I just put on my normal jeans and hoodie in almost 80 degree weather and I ran to Connor's car in tears. They kept trying to call me back into the house, but I just had to drive off without speaking to them. I didn't stay the night at their house for almost two days. Mum spent that first night texting me that I was overreacting and that none of the clothes fit me. And yes, she could have been nicer, but honestly, I need to be realistic about my fashion if I'm going to attempt it. If you couldn't tell by this point, my mum had picked out almost every piece of clothing I owned. And because I wasn't anorexic anymore, she was very upset whenever I showed skin. Day-to-day life was getting worse by the day, but eventually I opened commissions. I posted it on Facebook for family and nobody replied, but my estranged grandmother on my mum's side asking for an insanely difficult piece. I draw mostly pretty women in specific poses with pens or pencils, and that's it, especially back then. But she asked for a landscape drawing of her childhood home and a realistic watercolor drawing that she didn't have any reference of and hadn't seen since she was a kid. It was easily worth close to 150 bucks, maybe more because I'm terrible with commission prices. But I offered it for 60 bucks. My mother asked if I was serious. I told her that one, I disliked this woman to the point of purposefully not contacting her for almost a decade at that point. And two, this was so far out of my comfort zone that I would have to learn new skills just to make it. And it's more than half off. Then my dad texted me asking if I was serious. It devolved into a peeing contest on who can be colder and how fast I could move out. I wasn't pleasant. I'll be the first to admit that I was mentally unstable and lashing out at everyone. But I was also still a child recovering from the toll of drugs that I was overprescribed and their emotional indifference during a freaking pandemic. I emergency moved in with my fiance, then boyfriend and our friend who introduced us and I didn't speak to them for a week. This is the beginning of their pattern that they pull literally to this day, regardless of the situation. They finally texted me back after about a week, week and a half and acted as if nothing had happened. They hadn't kicked me out. I hadn't fought with them for days at that point and we hadn't exchanged some of the meanest glances and short phrases of our lives to each other. They wanted to talk about the football game and trivial things in their lives. I didn't know what else to do. It was my family and they were giving me the pass to be let back in after I'd mentally prepared myself to be shunned forever at this point. Of course, I took the olive branch. Maybe we'd speak about this in the future and laugh at how stuck up we'd been. It could all change for the better. 
Maybe. Me and my fiance lived there for a year or so before we contemplated moving to the town we'd met in and he grew up in. His whole family was there and our current apartment was crawling with drug dealers, people stalking us for his old car and people taking poops in the hallway. Sounds lovely. It was only an idea at that point, nothing concrete. But when I floated the idea to my dad one day when he was driving me home, he went on a rant about how I would become a baby factory for Connor if I moved away from my support system. And his family would turn me into their pawn because I was frankly too mentally weak of a person to not be swayed by them. This is your own father saying this to you. Wow. He went on for a long time and dumped a lot of info and at random talked about how he kind of regretted having me and my siblings because he had us so young and he regrets moving across the country like we did because of money problems. I asked him if he just told us that he regrets having us and living in this state and he went, I did not just say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I went into my apartment and sobbed for a good few hours. Connor was fuming, but was optimistic because at least he was talking. We both wrote off the bad parts and tried to move forward, hoping that this meant that he'd be open to talking more often in the future. We moved to my fiance's old home and things were fine for a while. The longer I didn't live next to my family, the more I realized that I mentally couldn't handle them anymore. They'd been so mean and gaslighting. Slowly but surely, I was feeding my parents an info diet and I was placing my boundaries. There were a lot of mean-spirited comments thrown my way They used Connor for more labor during this time than keeping him at arm's length and refusing to acknowledge that we were serious and looking to move in together. Nothing of significance happened for about a year and a half until within the last year. So it's 2022 now and me and Connor have lived together for most of the three or so years we've been together. We're living in our own home. I'm working two jobs and we're both happy. Stressed, but happy. Mum texts in our group chat that she wants me to give up my jobs and move back to their town to become a mailman like my dad. She swears that it's a government job with government pay and benefits and it's the best I can do as a college dropout who's working two jobs. I replied back that I was making almost $1,300 a paycheck with both jobs and I just moved into my house and that the town she lived in was absolutely terrible. Remember my old apartments? That's all that's available there. And I wasn't keen on moving back now that I lived in a three bed house that's completely quiet and all my own. Well, she responds by calling me four times in one day, spam texted the group chat and spams my DMs, sending Connor multiple texts and then calling me again. I spent two days ignoring her before I finally replied. I answered her calls and she spent almost the entire time during a 15 minute call that I put on speakerphone for Connor to listen to quietly, trying to manipulate me by calling me again a college dropout and telling me that I'm not happy there. I'm so far away from family and there's no point in living there, especially since my jobs were working me to death and they had nowhere near the benefits that this mail carrier job has as a government job. I didn't have the hearts or the verbal space to tell her that the US Postal Service is in fact not a government identity. It was privately owned. I did though tell her that all of those benefits I wouldn't need until I was 26 anyway. I had all of the supposed benefits from my dad also having the same job. She though glossed over that and talked over me to try and explain how miserable I was in that town. I told her I had to go and I hung up. Thanksgiving comes. My entire extended aunts and uncles on my dad's side come and stay with us. Things are looking good and I'm having fun with my family for once. Then I overheard my mum whispering to my uncle that, 
Her entire personality is just Connor. She's got no semblance of self anymore and she even moved away to just become Connor's girl. My uncle didn't react or say anything, but I had to hide away to compose myself because I almost went nuclear and lost my mind. Okay, another time skip and now we're in the present and getting closer to the end of our story. Connor proposed to me the day before Christmas Eve, surrounded by his incredibly loving family by putting my ring in my stocking and it was beautiful. The first person I called was my best friend and then the second was my mother. It was close to 1am around this time and I got her on the phone. I told her I knew it was late, but I was engaged. She told me though, in no uncertain terms. Honey, that's amazing, but... Don't text in the family group chat or anything because your dad's asleep and he has to get up at 5 a.m. Congrats, I'm going back to bed. Neither of them contacted me about my engagement for almost a week until I went back for their Christmas. I went with my best friend and the entire time my family talked down to me. They misremembered my size and instead of apologizing, they insisted that I didn't know my size and that I was indeed an XXL. I'm a medium to large. And they started the night off by mum mentioning my engagement only once. It started off with my mum suddenly in the middle of things going good and everyone laughing. She starts cackling and goes, Oh, your dad and his friend had the funniest thing to say about your engagement. Dad, show her the text. Dad just smiles and he starts giggling too. My siblings laugh along with them. Dad says, Oh, Amir just thought it was nuts that you were engaged because you're so young. I asked to see the text. Maybe I misunderstood him. There had to be something funny based on their reactions because that was very much not funny at all, especially when I had my best friend sitting right there, listening. If anything, that was embarrassing. I read the text and it goes something like this. Dad's friend says, Dude, she's engaged? That's nuts. She's too young and she's going into this way too quickly. Dad replies, I know. I'm upset and struggling right now because my kids are all forcing themselves to grow up when they aren't ready to. And it's hard to stand by and watch them crash and burn like they inevitably will and do nothing about it. I just smiled because while they all laughed and giggled about how funny that was, I was struggling to not burst into tears and scream at them. My friend pulled me aside and asked multiple times if we should leave. At the time, I was using their car. But I told her, no, I was going to play nice until I could give it back. And then once it was in their hands again, I was going to go no contact. Connor was supposed to come down and see them and spend Christmas with them, but he couldn't face them knowing that this is what they willingly showed us, especially after Thanksgiving. After this, I bought a car, my first car that's all mine, and I got their car back to them just last week. I'm putting my life together. I'm learning how to do the beginning of adult things well past when I should have. I learned to drive, pay bills, budget and spend, and how to exist all from my fiance. I had to forcibly teach myself how to manage my own mental health with the help of my fiance and friends. I'm done making up excuses as to why I need them in my life. I don't want to deal with the body shaming, the classless behavior, the looking down on Connor for no reason. I can't handle it anymore. I called my uncle, the one from Thanksgiving, and explained to him my decisions, and he immediately told me he supports me and that my parents don't know how to treat us like adults, that I'm not a screw-up, and that was the first time in my life that I realized my parents had conditioned me into thinking I was, in fact, a screw-up. So, mum or dad, or anyone in the family, if you find this, these are the reasons why I blocked everyone's numbers and deleted Messenger. 
Why me and Connor have our statements and info ready for you when you send a welfare check to tell them to leave us alone. I'm going to get married and you won't be there. I won't let you be there. If I have a child, you won't see them. I don't care how much you cry and make me feel like I did something wrong. I am not a bad person for being screwed up and the things you hold over my head were things I did as a drugged up child, a child that you should have protected and should have protected my siblings from. Screw you and screw all of your attempts at communication that you never did but say you have. Thank you to anyone who read this. I really just needed to yell. When they eventually find out that I cut them off because I gave them no warning beforehand, I just dipped after the car was no longer in my hands, they're gonna freak out. If anything memorable happens, I'll make an update, but probably not. Well, guys, good news. There is, and I mean, I say good news. Sorry, I've got to stop myself there. Is it good news? I'm pretty much saying there is an update and we're going to get straight into it after I give my immediate comments on what I've just read, which was absolutely bamboozling. But hey, listen, if you're on YouTube, comment down below. Is it good news there's an update for us? I mean, is that a bit weird, almost predatory, kind of preying on someone's downfall on OP's mishaps and their horrible family coming back into their life so we get an extended episode and more of a story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I stand on it. But anyway... We're going to get into the update in just a second. However, I need to just talk about that story for for just a hot minute because I can't believe the level of... I don't even know the word to use there because there are so many potential words. We can go with entitled, but that just seems far too basic. I think just malicious, manipulative, downright awful, 100% narcissistic heathens. That is just a few words I would use to describe your horrible parents. What an absolute disgrace they are. Now, what I will say, and obviously I'm saying this before we get into the update, it looks as if you have, by this point in your life, pretty much gotten rid of them. You say right at the end there that they're not even going to know what's hit them, and you have pretty much sacked them off. They're not going to go to your wedding, not going to meet your child, and that is amazing. The best revenge is a life well lived. And look, you just know for sure that if they see you, you know what? It doesn't even matter. I was going to say, you know, they're going to be jealous and they're going to be like, oh, we made such a mistake. But ultimately, you're not even going to care about that because you're going to be doing your own thing and forgetting about how toxic those people are. And it sounds like you're on the path of that, which is truly amazing. However, as I said, there is an update and I really hope that things continue on in a good vein. I haven't read ahead, so I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm pretty nervous, to be honest. I hope it's good. Anyway, here is that update. Let's get into it. Hi again, everyone. It's been about a month since my 2 a.m. pity party. I want to say thank you for the overwhelming support that I received on my other post, especially the person who mentioned that my parents were fine with abusing me, but not my siblings since they were physically unwell rather than mentally unwell like me. That one hit home probably harder than any other comment. I didn't think of it that way, but honestly, it was something someone probably should have said. I'd like to apologize for how rambly and long the last post was. I was in the middle of a panic attack and I've been ignoring calls and texts from them for days. I felt like a horrible person and was gaslighting myself into almost going into contact with them again. Oh my gosh, OP, that's awful. The post was more for myself to understand and write out all the mean things they've done so that I could look back and be like, wow, they really reduced me to that. Ha. Huh. But for the actual update, I returned their car to them and after that, I vanished. I blocked all of my family's phone numbers, but left my siblings unblocked and open on all social media. I didn't want their numbers to be used to contact me unless it was actually them. Their numbers have since been unblocked. My parents didn't really notice at first. 
I got a text from mum saying that she was trying as hard as she could. I was just pulling away and she doesn't know why. I might post some of the screenshots of my conversations with them sometime in the future so you can all marvel at how self-centered they are. It was mostly mum for a bit, nothing really from dad. Then one day she texts that she was going to give me space because I wasn't talking to them for some reason and she ceased all contact after that. It was quiet for about a week. Then dad started calling me. My phone shows me the caller ID and the time they called, but blocks the call itself. So I got to see almost every morning for about a week or so that I had a missed call from him. Then he started texting me and he tried to use the age old tactic of intimidation to get me to talk to him. It was mostly just, you better answer the phone right now. Then he'd call a bunch, but he finally sent a text about a week ago being cryptic about how I wouldn't know about stuff till after it happened. And if I was going to act like a child, these were the consequences. I kind of just rolled my eyes and didn't respond. It turns out after skimming the family group chat, he's been diagnosed with pretty bad carpal tunnel syndrome in both of his hands and a severe lower back injury they've yet to figure out. He also suffers from a myriad of other illnesses right now, but he still forces himself to work 60 plus hours a week as a postal carrier. So I don't know what he expects. To be honest, this might make me a bad person, but I didn't really care. If it had been about my siblings, I would have probably jumped on the phone and been freaking out. But I don't really hold any feelings besides resentment, confusion, and anger with my parents. So this news didn't really faze me. I don't blame you. In better news, Connor has received a few raises due to county regulations being changed, and I now also have a job with the county. I'll be moving on to my own insurance and finally moving on to it without worrying about contact. I also learned right about that time that my parents had taken out five different loans in my name to pay for college, all varying up to about $12,000. They did not explain this with me at all and had apparently been paying them all for the last three years. So I have credit, I guess, when I thought I didn't. So yippee. I have to figure out a way to transfer it into my name and figure out the logistics. But yeah, that's a thing now. My siblings haven't contacted me. The middle one is incredibly angry with my behavior and wants me to contact my mum at least. I've just avoided the topic with her. My other sibling, I can't honestly tell you how they feel, but they apparently plan to move to a big city about four hours away for college in the coming years. So let's hope they go through the same transformation I did. And that's honestly about it. Lots of weird texts that they did nothing but stress themselves out with and my financial situation is looking up. We also bought a dog recently. Her name is Mandy and our other dog Copper is still getting used to her. So my days are occupied mostly with taking care of a German shepherd puppy who body slams me awake at 6 a.m. every day. I hope everyone has a great day and thank you all again for the wonderful and supportive comments on my last post. Phew, sigh of relief from me because let me tell you, I was very concerned that we were going to get a very long and horrible update, but that is pretty good. As you say, hopefully at some point soon, your siblings will see the light, maybe when they get to the stage of your life that you were in. I mean, as you mentioned, your parents gaslit you for so long, you actually thought that you were the problem. It wouldn't surprise me if your siblings are feeling the same way or at least the same way about you. Imagine having your parents telling you, you know, for years, this sibling is disgusting, only to then realize later on in life that actually no, they were just actually gaslighting that sibling the entire time. And I've been thinking the wrong thing because of my parents, all those years i've been influenced in the worst way possible i would not blame your siblings if they had that mindset until they move out and realize what's really going on as for you op i've just got to say how strong 
And yeah, you might say it's a bit cringy, guys. I don't really care, right? Elite from OP. Just put yourself in that position. And maybe some of you watching and listening right now are, or at least were, in that position in your childhood and teenage years. I, for one, I'm not sure if I'll be able to cope. Maybe it just becomes your reality and you can deal with it. But going through all the stuff that OP went through and coming out of it like this is pretty unbelievable. I've got to say. OP, you wish everyone a nice day. How about this? I wish you a nice life because ultimately you deserve it. My horrible mother-in-law is homeless and my wife and I don't care. I'm a 25-year-old man, and I'm married to a 26-year-old woman named Carol. And her mother, Danielle, who is 61, is a complete bag of garbage. And that's the nicest thing to say. During Carol's childhood, Danielle would always belittle Carol and manipulate her into the most BS stuff, mostly always claiming that her father abandoned them in Colorado to seek fame and fortune in California and refusing to pay child support, whereas she would actually spend said child support on her own self, buying books and clothes and not supporting her daughter. Danielle also changed Carol's last name on social security to Danielle's last name when she was a little kid, which made it incredibly difficult for Carol to find a job as an adult because she was an illegal alien to the US government. That meant she had one last name on her birth certificate and a different last name on her social security card. Danielle also had a very bad job that didn't pay the best and had to get an apartment with Carol under Carol's name because Danielle had terrible credit. And Carol had a zero credit score because she was 18 at the time and didn't have her own bills to pay. Danielle kept getting on Carol's case about not having a job, but Carol said she couldn't because of the name issue. They ended up getting evicted due to failure to pay rent because Danielle's job wasn't enough to pay for a luxury apartment and she had to move in with grandma. Danielle later lost her job during COVID and has been unemployed ever since. There's way too many scenarios about how Danielle would take advantage of her own daughter, but I don't want to bore you guys with the details. Anyway, on to the story. Back in late 2021, while me and Carol were engaged, she wanted to join the US Navy. She got her name changed back to her father's last name on social security to match her birth certificate and even gave her recruiter child custody papers to prove her name. She enlisted, got through basic, completed her A-schooling and got her orders to serve on a ship. We got married in September 2022 before she was shipped to Virginia for her new orders. While Carol was serving and I spent time packing my belongings to move out to Virginia myself, I learned that Danielle was going to therapy to possibly move on. Or so I imagined. I tried so dang hard to stay away from her during that time. But she was always bugging me, wondering why Carol wasn't talking to her during the day. I let her know on repeated occasions that she has no cell service on her ship, but to her, it was just one of those in one ear and right out the other things. I eventually made it to Virginia in December of 2022 to be with Carol. We've been ignoring all of Danielle's calls for a while. Fast forward to April. Carol gets a text from Danielle asking her to call her to talk. They talk on the phone for a while and Carol learns that her grandma is not doing well. I also get my brother's high school graduation invitation in the mail and I want to see him graduate in May, which means Carol wants to see her grandma because she fears that she may not make it to the end of 2023. Danielle seemed to be super nice and Carol and I both thought she changed because of all the therapy that she's been getting. So last week we fly back to colorado and danielle loans us her car while we're there and was being way too nice to us like a decent human so we see my brother walk across the stage and carol gets to see her grandma while there we learn that grandma wants to move into a more safer place with carol's aunt because of her health and danielle has to move somewhere else because in her eyes 
everyone doesn't want to take me in because the family doesn't like me. We told her that if we weren't living in a 650 square foot one bedroom apartment on the other side of the country, then we could help her. Again, she starts being even nicer to us while still in Colorado. I even warned Carol that her being nice could mean something bad in the future, given her past behavior. Carol agreed. A few days after we flew back to Virginia, which was just five days ago, Carol gets a text from Danielle saying that she's gonna have to live in her car because nobody will help her. Carol asked her why she can't get a job and get her own apartment. And she said that I can't get a job at my age and it's been too long and it's very expensive to live on your own, especially in Colorado. Carol told her that we unfortunately can't help her because one, we live in a small apartment and two, we live seven states away on the other side of the country. So now here we are today. I'm at work and I get a call from Carol saying that she needs to be with me. I ask if everything's okay because I can tell that she's not. She said she'd talk about it when she got there. 30 minutes later, she shows up and I go on my lunch break with her. She tells me that her mum literally asked for $1,000 to help her move from Colorado to Virginia so that she could be with us. $1,000. We told her multiple times that we couldn't help her because we don't have that kind of room. We let alone don't have $1,000 to just give away. We live paycheck to paycheck. I was so flabbergasted. And Carol told me that her being super, super nice in recent times was way too good to be true, which is what I felt would happen. She either didn't get the therapy she needed or she lied. I don't know what the case was there because there's no proof. Now, I wasn't around for this part, but Carol and Danielle argued over the phone, more like cussing each other out per se. Daniel was upset with Carol for not providing a home for her when she did it for her first 20 years of life. And now Carol can't return the favor. Carol then told her mother, just F off already before hanging up and blocking her completely. So Danielle is now homeless and living in her Nissan Sentra, but we couldn't care less. All those years Carol had to endure due to Danielle's entitled and narcissistic behavior is now biting her in the butt. And nobody wants to live with her because of this, because that female dog only cares about herself and knows what she's doing is wrong and doesn't give a dang. I personally and honestly don't care if she dies. I will pee on her grave when that happens. Well, there we go. You know what? I would normally say that letting your mother-in-law become homeless, despite how horrible a person they may be, is a pretty terrible thing to do. If you can help, it's always a good thing to do, surely. Even if you don't like them and you don't get on with them. But I think this story is an exception. First of all, you're living paycheck to paycheck anyway, and there's a very limited amount of things that you could do, especially financially. I mean, she's asking for $1,000, which just doesn't exist. Also, it doesn't cost $1,000 to move from Colorado to Virginia. I don't believe that. Secondly, the fact of the matter is, she's been a terrible mother to your wife for her entire childhood. Therefore, even if you had unlimited money, I'd probably say, you know what, fair enough. Don't help her at all. Let her rot and let her be homeless. As horrible as that may sound. I mean, ultimately, this is just payback in its finest form. No one wants her around. I wonder why. Maybe because she's a horrible person. Get nicer and then maybe people will want to help you. That is my solution, Karen. Now for our next Entitled Parents story. Entitled Parents tell me to F off in my own yard? Enjoy your free shower. A few years ago, I lived in a house that was a block away from a public park. It was a very large park and I noticed two soccer games occurring when I left one Saturday to go to the grocery store. When I returned home about 45 minutes later, I saw there was a truck parked beside my property. The occupants of that truck were on my property. 
There were two children dressed in soccer uniforms, their mum and dad, and a large Doberman. The Doberman was lying on a picnic blanket, the parents were setting up their family's picnic lunch, and the children were chasing each other all on my front lawn. I couldn't believe my eyes. I pulled my car into my driveway and walked over to the family, asking them why they were on my property. The entitled mother then snarked at me. What does it look like? We're eating lunch. I asked why they're not eating in the public park that's a block away. And she responded, it's more peaceful here. In complete shock, I then said, this is private property and you all need to leave now. The mother's response, go freak yourself, you little dog. I was furious. I pay the mortgage. I do all the lawn work. And you think it's okay to trespass and tell me where to go on my own property? This was the easiest revenge ever. I walked right beside them to the outside tap that was attached to my sprinkler system and turned it on. The family started screaming and grabbed all their stuff as they ran to their truck. The mother and father screamed obscenities the whole time and said they were going to get me. Well, this is where revenge number two came in. I downloaded my security camera footage, which showed their license plate, and I brought it to my next door neighbor, who just happened to be a police officer working that day. The parents were charged with trespassing, and I had a smile on my face for the rest of the day. And there we go. R slash entitled parents, but with a little bit of petty revenge at the same time. Just simple enough. Like, what are you doing? You can't go on someone else's lawn. It's It's just illegal. And the least you deserve is to be sprayed off it with a rather beautiful piece of water hosiery. And what a word that is that I've almost definitely just made up. But I love it. Water hosiery, put it in the dictionary. Mother is upset I use my first name in class. I teach philosophy and epistemology to high schoolers. I'm also fairly young for a high school teacher. I introduce myself as Faye, my given first name, which has been my given name since birth to my students. Well, I got an email from a parent reading. Mademoiselle Betancourt, this is Karen and I'm Kevin's mother. I'm deeply disturbed that you allow students to call you by your first name and I believe this is unprofessional and confuses children. My child's test scores clearly reflect this as your class is the only one he is struggling in. And as he has maintained an outstanding academic performance, it is clear that you are the problem. I highly suggest that in order to better teach my child, you reflect on this and begin to use your professional name. So I responded, Karen, thank you for reaching out to me. I'm awfully glad you are so concerned with your child's performance in my class. As you might not be aware, I do not grade homework or tests as official standing, and they go only to show an empiricist view of one's performance. Don't worry, this means the grades you see in the system will be different from the final grade as your child will have a 100% in my class. This was made clear in my syllabus. You should also note that I attach my comments for every assignment and include an annotated copy of your child's exams and essays so that they may see where they need to improve. If you have specifics about concepts your child is struggling with and ways that might better help him learn these concepts, I'd be more than happy to meet with you over coffee or tea to discuss with you. So she responds, The annotations are incredibly vague and abstract and offer little insight into how my child, who is brilliant, may improve. However, I see you mark him wrong every time he refers to you as Mademoiselle Betancourt and replace it with Faye. It is illogical to ask of a child to indulge in using such a silly name. I highly advise you quit marking my child wrong for using your professional name in his essays. Likewise, I believe that as you are his teacher, you should use your professional name. So I decide to be petty and respond. Thank you for your response. 
but I appreciate how illogical and unsound your argumentation is, as this is a perfect example of Hume's law. I shall be using this to model in class examples of bad argumentation from now on. Thank you for the free class materials. I got a response back from her, but I didn't respond. Okay, and there we go. Just had a look at what Hume's law is, and it's often formulated as one can't derive an ought from an is. So I guess in this situation, the teacher is saying that, yeah, okay, maybe you think that I ought to do something, but that isn't the fact. I, I do what I want. Maybe I'm wrong there. That seems to be what she's saying. Now, as for this story on the whole, I would say that, yeah, it is pretty normal in school to, to call your teachers by their surnames. However, clearly this teacher, Mademoiselle Betancourt, I mean, to be honest, I shouldn't say that, Faye, has clearly been allowed by her school, by the principal, whatever, to, to call herself or at least allow her students to call herself by her given name, her first name. Otherwise, she'd be reprimanded, right? I don't imagine there's a way in which... The her other teachers, her colleagues, the principal, her head of year, whatever, know that she, or don't know that she is calling herself Faye and like, oh, we didn't realize this. Every other teacher calls themselves by their surnames. I imagine that everyone knows that she does this and she's been allowed to do this. Therefore, if you're allowed to do it and you want to do it, that's fine, right? If anything, I would say that it's more friendly with your students and you probably have a better rapport. I don't know, if it works for Faye, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it, right? I don't really care what my child or children call their teachers as long as it's with respect and the teacher allows it. To be honest though, I do feel a little bit bad for Kevin. If he's used to calling other teachers Miss this or Sir or Mr. whatever, and it's just this one teacher, Faye, that he has to change for, I don't think he should be marked down for that. I'm not sure if he is, but I don't know. It's, it's a weird one, isn't it? For Faye, I get that. She wants to be called by Faye. And by the way, this, the mother does not need to be involved in this at all. This is clearly a Karen. However, for Kevin, I don't know. Seems a little bit harsh. Yes, even though the teacher is telling him, call me this. I don't know. He might feel like he has to call you Miss Betancourt or Mademoiselle Betancourt. I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't. I wouldn't blame necessarily Kevin here. But for Karen getting involved, yes, there is absolutely no need. And now for our final Entitled Parent story of this episode. Entitled Mother tried to reduce my pay for attempting to seduce her husband. I started babysitting families in my church growing up. Between the ages of 12 to 16, I babysat for over 30 families and I was highly requested in that community. I knew everyone and I attended that church since I was four. Everyone knew me, I knew everyone, very tight knit. So I babysat for a family we will call the Smiths. I knew that family since I was 10 and they had children that were younger than me. I helped with these kids for children's mass. Now I knew the family and we were kind of close because I was one of the kids helpers in a class unit. Plus, we all knew each other from the church and school. Now, I'm 13-ish when this happened. I babysat for this family, the Smiths, and it was going good. They had a pool in their backyard, and the dad had told me to pack a bathing suit. He said, The kids will probably beg you to swim with them, if you don't mind, but you don't have to. So, I babysat these kids for about five hours. Knowing that four hours in, the husband would come home to take a work call. Then he'd help with the kids and my parents would take me home. 20 minutes before the dad gets home, the kids want to swim. I agree and we all get ready. I'd chosen a normal bathing suit for a 13 year old, but I had a larger chest than others my age and the mum of these kids. Now the dad comes home and asks if things are all good. I tell him yes and he tells me he'll find us when he's done with his work call. It's about 5 p.m. and he comes out and asks to take another call. He asked to take a picture to send to his wife to let her know that I'll watch the kids for longer since he had another call. TLDR, all went well till the wife shows up. 
Everything goes good and the kids are having a blast I help dry them off help them shower and change as the wife gets ready to take over and the husband has started making dinner I was in my oversized shirt bringing the kids downstairs when the wife signals to me She pulls me aside and begins to shame me She tells me I won't be getting paid from 4 p.m. To 5 45 p.m. For dressing like a slut in an attempt to stray her husband from me What? That my choice of swimsuit was slutty and she should have known better not to trust me That I was a I don't know if I can even say that word and that my breasts would get me nowhere in life And I was going to be odd dressing like that. Okay. Wow I was flabbergasted because i'm barely 13 at the time and I wasn't wearing a revealing swimsuit I nod and profusely apologize because I wore this to the pool and never had any problems and me and my bestie had matching ones I was sobbing hysterically. I took my money and sat on the porch waiting for my mum to pick me up I hear yelling inside the dad comes out and gives me $50 and goes back to yelling at his wife Inside the house. There's also some extra information at the bottom of this They filed for divorce because she was having an affair with another guy She later revealed this information to another family that I babysat for and they told me that the wife was insecure about her chest The dad was not a pedo and his kids are doing great Oh my goodness. Well, I don't want to say save the best till last, but let's just say save the most extreme till last Uh, goodness me imagine being that insecure about yourself that you're getting jealous of a 13 year old child I mean, I don't quite know what to say other than that is actually so embarrassing that it's, it's bordering on abusive because you're telling a 13 year old that they're going to get odd if they wear stuff like that i mean that's that's not really just insecure is it that's very harmful to someone's future anyway guys that is gonna do it for this episode of r slash entitled parents let me know down in the comments which entitled parent out of these four actually you know what there were more than four but in these four stories at least was the worst i mean i have my answer i think it's pretty obvious goodness me entitled co-worker tried to hijack our wedding hey reddit i was listening to a bridezilla story and it reminded me of something that happened when my lady wife and i were planning our wedding in 1992 part one the wedding we wanted and had my lady wife is the anti-karen the anti-bridezilla On our first date, she found out a stack of restaurant coupons and said, Where do you want to take me? We picked Pizza Hut. Her engagement ring is a heart-shaped amethyst with two little diamond chips. I bought it at Kmart. She cherishes it. Her wedding dress did not come from a bridal shop. It came from the Sears catalog. It's a very simple white lace straight T-length dress with a cream underdress. It wouldn't be out of place at an afternoon tea. I bought my three-piece navy pinstripe suit since I needed a suit anyway. We wore the same clothes with different accessories to a costume party as a 1920s gangster and his mole We had the wedding at our church. Our pastor was the real deal He blessed the rings and when he handed them back, they were ice cold We exchanged the old wedding vows think king james bible style my lady wife nixed the obey though A couple of my buddies found out at the last minute that they could make it and showed up After we said our vows, they pulled out swords and made an impromptu arch for us to walk under. My wife's friends were upset and started yelling, nobody told us to bring our swords. Yeah, major sci-fi, fantasy, D&D, medieval geeks on both sides of the aisle. The reception was in the community room at the volunteer fire department that I belonged to. Not fancy, but so informal and chill and practically free. A local supermarket with an awesome hot food bar catered. Everybody had so much fun. My boss's boss, a good friend, gorgeous blonde, showed up in her little black dress and appropriately flirted with my buddies. 
I don't think anybody will forget the pillow mint fight that broke out. A few of my wife's older relatives seemed sort of confused at the antics at first, but ended up having a blast. My father-in-law had set a rough budget for the wedding in his head. My lady wife came in way under that, so he gave us the difference in cash at the reception. He was already paying for the honeymoon as his wedding present to us. The honeymoon was within a day's drive and was a huge deal for what we got. My wife remembers the complete total spent by us and her father as roughly $2,000 in 1992, which included the honeymoon. So that's under $4,500 today. 32 years together, 31 years married this October. Next anniversary, I'm going to take a page from my granddad and raise a toast to five years of wedded bliss. Part two, attempted hijacking. When my wife announced our engagement, one of her co-workers, not even a friend, apparently got wedding rabies. She was so happy and went over the top offering to help. My wife was doing the tiny amount of wedding planning that was needed, see above, as her maid of honor lived in New Jersey, we're in upstate New York, and had two kids to look after. My coworker insisted that it wasn't fair to my wife that the maid of honor wasn't doing the wedding planning. She kept trying to insert herself as the wedding planner. Yeah, nice of her to offer, but she wanted to arrange our wedding the way she wanted it. Whiskey? Tango? Foxtrot? No, we did not want frou-frou centerpiece thingies or any of that nonsense. The co-worker, not knowing my wife well, of course had zero clue what our tastes are. My wife's maid of honor was already making custom silk flowers for us and the tables as a wedding present. I think the co-worker was delusional enough to think that she could weasel her way into being the maid of honor. My wife kept politely but firmly shutting her down. The last straw was when the co-worker called me to tell me about the surprise bridal shower she was throwing for my wife so I could get her there. Oh, heck no. First, my wife was already going to have a bridal shower at our house. My father-in-law and I went down to the fire hall and watched baseball. Second, my wife hates surprise parties. Third, my wife would never have picked that restaurant. An overpriced steakhouse is the absolute last restaurant we would ever pick. And fourth, who the heck was the co-worker planning on inviting? She didn't know any of my wife's friends. So of course, my wife shut that down hard. She immediately called the co-worker and told her off. No meltdown, no yelling, no screaming, no bad language or insults, just pure anger, as hot and bright as a welder's torch. Cue tears from the co-worker. Boo-hoo, I was just trying to help. Nope, denied. We joke that you need to keep my wife away from breakable objects when she's angry. Cities, mountain ranges, that kind of fragile stuff. So drama over and the wedding happened. And there we go. Can I just say, first and foremost, I absolutely love this couple and their values. They know that you don't have to splurge loads of money to have a good time. No one cares about loads of fancy stuff. As long as you guys are happy with whatever's going on in your life, then that's great. Everyone clearly had an amazing time at your wedding. You spent, let's be honest, so little money but had the best time like is that not the perfect combination it's brilliant for some reason there's this preconceived conception about weddings that you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on them but you guys have proven do the stuff that you actually like and you'll have the best time fair play to you two and also ignore entitled i don't even know what you can call her yeah a co-worker but she's obviously not a friend barely even an associate no idea why she was getting involved in the first place maybe a little bit of jealousy from her part i'm not entirely sure but yeah as i said you did very well to ignore her calmly 
and have the wedding that you always dreamed of. Ah, and one more thing. If you're wondering why OP was saying lady wife, well, it's explained in a comment down below. Lady wife is an old British expression used somewhat ironically today, like calling your wife the Duchess or the Queen, preferably with a posh English accent. It's funny, cute, and an expression of poke you in the ribs love. Well, doesn't that sum up these two just perfectly? Now for our next entitled people story. Too racist to enjoy a tropical island and ends up paying the price. I was just reminiscing about the absurdity of the situation that happened almost two years ago, and I decided it's too good not to share. I'll be honest, it involves a lot of legal stuff that I'm not sure I'm talking about 100% correctly, but I can assure you this story is true, as is the end result. This might be a long one, so buckle up. For context, my mum is a traveling healthcare worker. Not a nurse, nor a doctor, just to clarify, and we're from the US. Usually her contracts last from eight weeks to nine months and she's worked all around the States. This results in an ungodly amount of airline miles that she likes to gift me so I can visit her whenever she's on contract. I get a nice vacation, she gets to see me, I get to see her, win, win, win. Two years ago, after I graduated and was living at my mum and her long-term boyfriend's house in a COVID lockdown-induced depression and existential crisis, my mother scored her first overseas contract on a tropical island for six months from June to the end of November. I'd gotten a trashy job in my hometown to start saving for whatever my next step was. Three months in, my mum realized the downside to being on a very small island where international travel to and fro was a pain in the butt. She was lonely. This prompted a very bashful phone call in which she asked me if I wanted to take a break from working and come stay with her for a while. I jumped at the opportunity and we made arrangements to get my passport renewed and booked a ticket for me to stay with her for the last few months of her contract. All of this context comes to the main character, another US-based traveler, also not a nurse nor a doctor, who was my mother's co-worker. Let's call her Mary. Mary, to put it bluntly, was racist as heck. And she was not enjoying getting paid to work on an island with crystal blue water on white sand beaches. Why? Because she failed to realize that she wouldn't be treating elite white resort goers. No. Turns out, the people who tend to be treated at the local hospital were the native islanders. You know, the people of color. She was also a COVID denier, trumper, and anti-vaxxer. Really just a blast to talk to. She was so livid about having to go to a grocery shop surrounded by POC, not what she called them, hints, it starts with N and ends with R. It didn't matter that she could go to the beach every day after work and was lodged in a multi-million dollar vacation home on one of the highest points of the island with a gorgeous view. Nah, she was too busy recoiling at the sight of gasp melanin. So yeah, she hated being there and wanted nothing more than to leave. She latched onto my mother for company, and my mother reluctantly obliged her for a time due to aforementioned loneliness. The main conflict of this story comes when my mother's contract began to reach its end, while Mary's still had a month to go. Mary fought tooth and nail to renegotiate an early end of her contract, but was denied. So, what does she do? She just leaves, like packs all of her stuff and departs to the US anyway. No biggie, right? She just doesn't get her remaining paychecks wrong here comes the beauty of contracts see the contract she agreed to comped her lodging on the condition that she fulfill her employment duties 
Since she very clearly had no intention to, the contract was therefore voided and the compensation for her lodging was promptly retracted. She was now on the hook to pay back this country's health ministry for the several months of rent they'd paid to house her in that gorgeous vacation home with a beautiful view. I'm not sure how much it would have been, but I'm guessing a million at the very least. Mary was now not only a terrible employee in this country, but a literal fugitive but she figured they could only arrest and charge her if she ever stepped foot back on their soil. So she wasn't concerned. Now she was mostly right, but that wasn't the only thing this country's government could do. They proceeded to ring up the good old US government, notify them of the charges and let them take it from there. They couldn't have her extradited, but they could ask the US to flag her passport until she paid them or faced charges. So the US government said, sure buddy, we'll do it. And they did. Mary can't leave the US anymore. She can't even go to Canada. She tried to join her friends on vacation in Mexico, but she wouldn't be allowed to cross the border. So if you ever think you screwed up a job really badly, just remember that you at least aren't an actual international criminal who can no longer leave the country. I'm not sure why her racist butt even wanted to go to Mexico. I heard there are a lot of Mexican people there. Yeah, I heard that too. Funny, really. Don't really know why a racist person would ever want to go there, but uh, yeah, good luck to Mary, is what I'll say. How good is Carmen, by the way, guys? I mean, seriously. And also, it kind of just makes sense. Like, if this woman doesn't want to go to another country because she doesn't want to see or interact with their people or people of, of different color skins, then great, now she legally can't. It's Surely it's a woman for everyone, right? Mary should be ecstatic with the news. She should be absolutely loving life, sitting in her little American house, never being allowed to leave the country. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Now for our third entitled people story of this episode. My entitled sister expects me to apologize for snitching on her after she tried to out me to our parents. So me, a 17 year old boy, and my sister, who is 14, have never gotten along. Not because she is only my half sister, but because she is an immature and spoiled female dog. For some context, about three days ago, I told my sister she should stop dating her boyfriend because he is too old for her. She did not take my lecture kindly, and she did the only thing her immature butt could think of, deciding to tell my mum and stepdad that I am gay. She found out that I'm gay a few months ago after she burst into my room when me and my boyfriend are making out, and she's been threatening me that she will tell our parents ever since. The thing is, they already know, but I never told her to give her a fake sense of superiority. And ever since, she's thought she had me at her finger. Well, it seems like my sister finally decided to reveal my secret. So what she thought was about to be a session of my parents yelling at me or something turned into an intervention on her insensitive behavior, as our parents put it. She just complained about how I was the bad guy because I was blackmailing her. But I wasn't about to let her get away with trying to ruin my relationship with my parents. So I did the only reasonable thing I could. I told them about her boyfriend, who by the way is 17 turning 18 in not even two months. Meanwhile, she just turned 14 in June. What? That is highly illegal. Oh my God, I did not think it'd be that serious. So you can imagine how angry our parents were when they found out she was dating a guy over four years older than her. At first, they scolded me for not telling them earlier and helping my sister cover this up. You know what? I actually kind of agree with that. That is literally illegal. You should have told them as soon as you found out. At the end, we both got our punishments. Mine was about a 20, 30 minute lecture for not telling them right away. And she got her phone and laptop taken away. Dad cut the Wi-Fi on her TV and also she isn't allowed to go out. These restraints will stay until the end of summer 
which honestly isn't that much if you ask me. The day after, I was met with my sister in my room telling me that she deserves an apology because you freaking, and then insert the F slur here, ruined the rest of my summer and all my plans. I told my parents what she said and the punishment was extended until October. So Reddit, does my idiot of a sister deserve an apology? Well, I don't really know what she deserves. But let's just, let's just, you know, think, think of the, we'll focus on the most important things here. First of all, like, this is highly illegal what's going on here. A 17, almost 18 year old man, gonna become a man, like, legally, is in a relationship with your 14 year old sister. What the, I mean, forget all the other stuff. Like, I don't wanna kind of brush it under the carpet because it's bad as well. But first of all, let's focus on that. That is illegal. I mean, I don't know necessarily which countries it takes place in, but. I'm pretty confident it's going to be illegal in whatever country. That is the most important thing. Secondly, honestly, I kind of feel a bit bad for your sister. Yes, she is 14. She she needs to know way better than that. But 14 is still a young age. There's enough time to educate her and make her realize that she's just being horrible and, and needs to change her ways. When I was 14, I wasn't saying stuff like this, but I'm pretty sure I had not that much common sense and probably said some things that I now regret. Let's just be completely frank. Not to this extent, but... There's still time for her to, to get back to, to normal with a, with a good amount of education. I, I just can't get my head over the fact that there is a 17 slash 18 year old man in a relationship with a 14 year old. That is crazy and your parents are right. That is the thing that you both need to be punished for, for not telling them sooner. Thankfully, you did eventually tell them because, oh my God, if that, could, if that carried on, could have been absolutely catastrophic. <sighs> Look, it's easy to jump on jump on the bandwagon and say your sister's a bad person for calling you the f-slur and all that stuff and yeah she looks she is obviously but just first and foremost make sure that she's all right because a 14 year old going out with a 17 18 year old she's being taken advantage of there it's important to make sure that she is safe and that guy is locked up now for our final story of this episode bizarre woman tries to steal my fries at the food courts this happened at the food court at my local mall the other day And it's weird how boundaries and basic social conventions seem not to apply to some people these days. So me and my wife go to the mall and decide while browsing that we're going to get some food. We go. My wife says she's not hungry, but I get a burger and fries and then start eating. Halfway through, my wife says she is in fact hungry and she's going to steal some fries. Fair enough, I let her take some fries and she eats them. Now I wonder, in the history of mankind, how many times this exact interaction and event has taken place i don't know get in the comments down below what do you think a little while later i've started on the burger and my wife says she needs the bathroom and walks off and i have some fries left on the side of my plate i look down to use my phone as i get a dm from someone and then i hear a rustling sound at the side of the plate i look up thinking my wife has come back and has decided that she wants more and say hey honey guess you've made some extra room for more fries and then spot that no it's not my wife There's some random woman, mid-30s, putting her hand in my plate about to grab the fries. She laughs and says, Wow, suddenly we're super acquainted, aren't we? I laugh out of disbelief and say, Excuse me? Why are you trying to steal my food? She acts offended and says, Well, you let the other woman sitting by you steal some fries, and you clearly don't want these, so I thought I could have them. I explained that the other woman sitting by me was my wife but she's just some random person who I don't know and doesn't have any right to my food as I hadn't invited her. She just rolls her eyes, snorts, lets go of my fries, and then walks off. I sit there for a second in disbelief that someone just tried that. And my wife comes back and asks what the woman storming away from my table wanted. 
I explained what just happened and we both laughed as it was weird, inappropriate, and something that most people should probably have learned way earlier than someone who seemed in her 30s. I'll just take this stranger's food without asking. It's certainly an interesting take on things, but not one I agree with. Yeah, as far as hot takes go, I think I'll have to uh, agree with that. If you see a woman on the table with someone else, uh, they're clearly like together in some form. It doesn't have to be in a relationship, just even friends or whatever, like sitting at the same table and they're eating a little bit of someone else's food, that same person that they're on the table with. You don't just go, oh, that food must be for free then and go up to it. Ugh, it is just bordering on ridiculous. In fact, it's not bordering on ridiculous. It just is ridiculous. And that is the beauty of this subreddit. How blind are you? I am legally blind. I have no sight in one eye and very little sight in the other, but I can see a little. I walk with a sight cane, but I generally do need some help to get around. I was at the airport in Cincinnati, Ohio, returning from a business trip, and I asked the person helping me to take me to a Starbucks since I was desperate for caffeination. She put me in line, then said she'd be back for me in 20 minutes. So I'm standing in line when this woman starts creeping on my right, then a little more, and a little bit more. This dog was trying to pull cutsies on me. Oh, I don't think so. So I slyly slid my cane over to my right, effectively preventing said cutsies. She realizes she's been caught and huffs a bit, having her plan of cutting in front of an undercaffeinated blind person at 6.45 a.m. effectively thwarted. I get my drink and take a seat. Most people just took their drinks to their gates, so most of the tables were empty. Then, Cutsy Carol sits down at my table and waves her hand in front of my face, and we have the following exchange. So, are you blind or what? Pardon? Like, how much can you see? Are you faking? Just how blind are you? I mean, I saw enough to know that you were attempting to cut in front of a blind person. So you can see. She waves her hand in my face again. Can you see this? Why do you need a cane if you can see? Is it macular degeneration or what? Mom, it's too early for this. Please leave my table. I don't owe you an explanation or any part of my medical history. I'm just trying to enjoy my drink in peace while I wait for my guide. Jeez, I was just asking. She then huffs and leaves for parts unknown. Thank God. I don't know why people see someone who is disabled and feel entitled to their story or their medical devices. I've had people grab my cane and pull me where they want me to go. Parents who think it's cute to let their kids grab my cane it's not last 4th of july a random woman saw me walking with my family and grabbed my arm to drag me over to her son who had recently lost his eyesight so i could tell him my story didn't ask just grabbed my daughter let her know how horribly inappropriate this was and this woman was super offended because she was just trying to help my son adapt to his new reality like she thought i owed that to her by daring to be blind disabled people aren't sideshows we're just trying to live our lives just like you are op you make such a good point you have a disability it's your disability no one else needs to know anything about it it's not their disability it's yours why do some people in this world feel the need or, or feel entitled to know about the ins and outs of a random stranger's disability it's so weird i don't get it and also why on earth would you cut ahead of anyone in the queue anyway let alone a blind person i mean come on insane now for our next entitled people story entitled karen doesn't believe i have surgery this happened about 10 years ago i was 22 at the time and had to have knee surgery to clear out shredded cartilage about a week after my birthday 
This story takes place three days after the surgery. My mum, who was a nurse, my now husband, who was my boyfriend of two years at the time, and my best friend decided to take me shopping to try and get my mind off the surgery and to pick up craft supplies so I'd be bored while off of work. I should mention it was an orthopedic surgery, so I didn't need to use crutches if I didn't feel the need, and I should be walking some. When we got to the craft store, not our first stop, my husband and best friend made me use one of the store's wheelchairs. I was being stubborn because I could still walk, just not very fast or as long without brakes. Now, since I didn't really want to be in the chair, my husband and friend decided to make a game out of it. Like, who could push me the fastest? Now, you might think we're wrong, but let me state, this was in the middle of the day on a Monday, so the store was not busy, and my husband and best friend would check the aisle to make sure that the coast was clear. After one of the speeding events, I was looking at something in an aisle, and my mum pulled my husband and best friend away to look at something else. It was something she thought I would like and was going to get it as a surprise. Well, I decided I didn't want whatever it was that I was looking at, and I stood up to put it back. This is when Karen appears, berating me for using the wheelchair as a toy and telling me that there are people who actually need it. Calmly, I explain. I just had surgery, and that is why I'm using it. But she then goes on and on about how she saw what my friends were doing and that I'm obviously lying. I explain that they were just trying to make me feel better, and I tell them to push me normally from now on. But this did not appease Karen, and she was still berating me. At this point, I roll up my pants leg and show her the compression bandages that I'm still wearing. She goes on about how that means nothing, and I could have just wrapped my knees as an excuse in case we were caught, and she bet the other people with me also have their knees wrapped. My group returns at this point and says the same thing as me. But Karen is still not having it, We're all apparently lying. I look at my mum and I ask if I can take off my bandages as they were supposed to be removed the next day. She says I really shouldn't, but she could rewrap it for me if needed. At this point, I take off the bandages before anyone can stop me and I show Karen my knee in all its post-surgery glory. It was bruised, swollen, and crusty at the incision sites and you could still see the iodine on my skin. Karen's face went white and she looked like she was going to be sick. She started stammering that I didn't need to go that far. As my mum is re-wrapping my knee, scolding me and Karen under her breath, I look at Karen and say, What else did you want me to do? I told you, they told you, I showed you the bandages, but you wouldn't get off your high horse and insisted that we were lying. At this point, a staff member comes to check if we need any help, and Karen runs for the door. We had a pleasant rest of our day and stopped for ice cream on the way home. And also, just one final edit for clarification. We were not running, drifting around corners, using the brakes while moving, doing wheelies, having more than one person in the chair. Instead, we were speed walking with clear aisles and just seeing how far I would go with one push from a dead stop. We were still very careful with the wheelchair. You know what? I actually kind of do sympathize with this Karen off the rip. You know, she sees someone messing about in a wheelchair. And let's be completely honest, you were messing about. Having fun, of course, but you were messing about. And then she sees you stand up. I think that's fair enough to suggest that you probably are kind of messing around, which you admit that you you were, you know, you're having fun. However, after you explain everything to her, show her the bandages, all your friends, you know, your mum, your your now husband is explaining to her, no, I get it, we were kind of having fun, but no, this person actually, OP actually is disabled at the moment. Um, Even after all of that, she still doubles down and is like, no, I know you're lying. I reckon everyone's wearing knee bandages. I mean, come on. And then she gets annoyed when you show her your injury and is like, oh, you didn't need to do that. No, you literally did to explain the point. So look, fair enough that she was a little bit dubious at first, but the more and more evidence she got, the more and more she doubled down. 
And that is entitlement. Now for our next entitled people story. An old lady decided I'm the one that should move in a physical therapy waiting room. I was born with some physical deformities. They aren't visible unless you're a professional, but they've been causing me problems all my life. This includes a foot deformity where it often hurts to even stand for long periods of time. Although physical therapy helps me manage it and be able to do more. I only started physical therapy again recently as I didn't have the money to continue it for quite a while. I always get to my appointment early as I have anxieties about being late and today was no different. I sat down in a near empty waiting room, but as I got closer to my appointment, the waiting room started to fill up and all of the chairs were taken. Note that all the other people in the waiting room were elderly at the time while I'm in my 20s and I'm often mistaken for someone much younger than I am. Well, this woman came in with her husband. Her husband seemed to be the one here for physical therapy and took the last seat while the woman went to talk to the people at the front desk It was only when she turned around that she realized that all of the seats were taken and she might have to stand So what did she do? She walked right in front of me and without saying a word stared me down I was on my phone and I made sure not to look at her But i'm not someone who likes confrontation and I was counting down the minutes until my appointment The husband offered his wife his own seats But she said no it's fine and kept staring me down I think she knew better than to say anything with the receptionist right there As she probably didn't want to risk causing trouble for her husband Which is the only reason she didn't say anything in the end some equally elderly guy offered his seats She actually asked you don't have a problem with your legs or anything. Do you? The guy assured her it was a problem with his shoulder so she sat down and that was that that's all there is to the encounter i know there wasn't some crazy event or anything but it always frustrates me when people assume that i deserve my seat the least because of my age even in a god dang physical therapy waiting room well look we don't know for sure if this woman was a hundred percent not disabled herself she could have had an issue as well however it does seem unlikely that she did and for her to just assume that because you're younger you're okay to stand up even though you're literally in a physical therapy institution is so dumb like that's the thing that i'm thinking for these first three stories anyway the people involved are just incredibly dumb I shouldn't even ask you just stared at you probably got up in your in your physical space just looking at you again Stupid and also very very weird. Actually, you know what? I just remembered she actually declined when someone else offered her a seat Therefore if you can choose where to sit you can choose to stand you clown and now for our final story of this episode Entitled woman tries to take my wife's accessible parking spots then gets angry when I call her out. I am a 42-year-old trans woman, and I live in an apartment building with a reserved accessible parking spot for my wife, who is wheelchair-bound. Yesterday, I came home to find a red Chevy Silverado parked in our spot. There was no disabled placard or license plate tag, so I knocked on some neighbor's doors to see if they knew who it belonged to. Nobody answered. I decided to make a fake parking ticket, citing the violation as parking in a reserved accessible space without proper placard. Right after I put the fake parking ticket on the truck's windshield, the owner of the truck came out and asked me what I was doing. I told her she was parked in our spots. She rudely said that she was working for building management and that if I had a problem, I needed to take it up with them. I told her it wasn't her spot and she needed to move. But again, she refused. I went back upstairs and into my apartment. A minute later, I heard a knock at the door and opened it to find the fake parking ticket in the door jam with their reply written on the bottom. They'd written some transphobic and homophobic slurs on it. I went back outside with my phone out to try and take a picture of their license plate. However, an angry looking young man was at the bottom of the stairs. 
He told me I needed to watch what I say to his mama. He said I didn't look disabled. I told him it's my wife who cannot walk. He then asked where my car was, implying he wanted to do some damage to it. He called me the N-word, then misgendered me and was acting aggressive. Feeling unsafe and not wanting to escalate the situation further, I told him to have a nice day and I went back inside the house. I called the building management, who expressed their condolences and said that I should call the police. I called the police, who said they send an officer when they could. 20 minutes later, an officer called and said they drove by, but by then, the people had already left. I'm so angry and upset by this whole experience. I can't believe someone would be so entitled and disrespectful, especially to someone who is disabled. I'm also disappointed that the police didn't do more to help. I'm posting this story in the hopes that it will raise awareness of the issue of accessible parking. It's not just the convenience for people with disabilities, it's a necessity. If you see someone parked in an accessible spot without a placard or tag, please don't be afraid to say something. It could make a big difference to someone's life. Oh, wow. Ending with probably the most serious of all the entitled people's stories in this episode. I mean, yeah, you definitely the right thing. Get out of there. At that point, when you're literally being threatened and having, you know, verbal abuse just spouted at you. I mean, that's truly horrible stuff there. I don't quite know which word was worse. My goodness me. Yeah, get out. Call the police. It's a shame they couldn't come quicker and actually see these guys and just, you know, give them a warning or, hey, at least do something. (laughs) Stop them from abusing you. But wow. What a terrible, terrible spot to be in. I mean, literally getting abused for asking somebody to move out of a disabled parking spot. That is unbelievable. You won't give me a key to your house? That's fine. I'll make one for myself. This is actually an entitled grandparent story, but this lady has been involved in my upbringing since I was a child. And this woman hates me. To give some background, my grandmother is a hardcore Catholic former nun and was extremely strict with my dad and me. My dad got his 17-year-old girlfriend drunk and pregnant, which is obviously a huge no-no in the Catholic church. My grandma basically pressured my mum to convert to Catholicism and marry my dad. Later, they had two more kids. But because I was born out of wedlock, I am the black sheep. And not just by my grandma, my entire dad's side will never be happy with me and they hate me and my mum. For reference, I'm 24 and my sisters are 22 and 20. The youngest just moved out with her partner, but neither have jobs. And the middle one and her fiance are extremely financially irresponsible and live with my parents and just expect to have everything handed over to them. I'm out of the house with a professional job, married and have a child and have been doing really well for myself. Yet I'm the disappointment. My grandma was extremely strict and abusive specifically to me. She's yelled at me multiple times, calling me the child of the devil, a demon, etc. She's thrown stuff at my face for no reason and I wasn't allowed to have any privacy at her house. I always had to have the bedroom door open. She would sit at the foot of my bed until I fell asleep. I had to spend every weekend and break from school with her until I started working at 15 and she would scream at me if I locked the bathroom door. You get the idea. She'd also threaten to call the cops if we didn't comply with her. And there were multiple instances where she would call the cops if we didn't answer our phones. Like she's called at 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. on separate occasions and I've woken up to cops knocking at my door. And yes, this has happened when I'm at home and also out of town where I didn't even tell her where I was staying. She is psycho. So on with the story. I actually just found out the other day that she did this. So that's why I'm sharing this now. Anyway, when I was 20, I decided to move out with a couple of friends. My grandma demanded that I give her a key to the duplex. I refused for multiple reasons. 
In the first place, I don't need my grandma being able to come over whenever she wants, especially since one of my roommates was my boyfriend. In the second place, we threw a lot of get-togethers, and I don't need her lecturing my friends that Dungeons and Dragons and anime and all that are tools of the devil and we need to all go to church with her. And in the third place, we'd all agree to not give out copies of our keys to any family members, and I'm not about to have my friend's privacy invaded as well because my grandma just can't handle not having control of every little part of my life. I mean, she still called multiple times every day and found excuses to try to come over as much as possible. And every time for the first couple of months, she kept demanding I give her a key to our place and I kept refusing. Well, at one point, my youngest sister was spending the night and my grandma dropped her off. We were gonna go and do some shopping, but I couldn't find my keys. I'm looking everywhere and I can't find them anywhere. So my grandma offered to pick up what I needed to make dinner. I reluctantly agreed and went back to looking for my keys they somehow were right on the bar. Now, I didn't think much of it at the time because I do stuff like that all the time, but my sister told me the full story. Apparently, the next day when my grandma picked her up, she bragged to her how she stole my keys when I wasn't looking and made herself a copy of the key so she can go inside whenever she wanted. Now, she's never barged in while I'm home, so I'm guessing she was coming in when no one was home and going through everything. And it's justified, you know, because she's just making sure we were making good Catholic choices. It also wouldn't be the first time she's gone through my stuff when I'm not home because she would do the same thing to me at my parents' house and then berate me if she found things she didn't like. Apparently, she's been trying to steal my keys for this house too, but she hasn't been able to figure out where I keep them. I keep my keys in our bedroom in the far back of the house and will not have my keys around her now for this exact reason. Well, you better hope that your grandma doesn't go on Reddit and ask slash entitled parents in general. If she reads this post, you just disclose where you keep your keys. Terrible. But in all seriousness, uh, this woman is just absolutely mental. I wish there was a subreddit that was called like r slash mental grandparents or something. That is where this woman should go. Absolutely insane. Just leave your granddaughter alone. I mean, apart from the fact that this is absolutely insane, as I just said, it is also absolutely illegal. If she does this in the future and you catch her, I mean, look, you could even set up a hidden camera or just a camera in general to catch her doing this. Maybe get one of those doorbells. Go to the police. It is illegal. Like, it's trespassing. You cannot do this sort of thing, even if it's your family member. No one cares. I mean, to be fair, I don't even think she needs to come back or go into your house with her key. The fact that she's copied one of your keys is also illegal without your permission. I mean, tell the police if you care that much. That's probably what I'd do to stop this crazy woman from coming into my house. Anyway, what a weird start to the episode. My parents don't like my boyfriend, so they gave me an ultimatum. I'm looking for experience and opinions. All are welcome. I'll try to make a long story short. I am an only child and my current boyfriend and I have been dating for six years, starting when I was 19 and he was 20. We met at junior college where we started dating and after that we went to different UCs but within an hour of each other. My parents met him early on by joining us at dinner. Everything seemed to go well. Then soon after, we went to his parents' house who live about two hours away from my parents so I could meet his family. And after learning this, my mum told me how hurt she was that we didn't come to see them too. I expressed that this weekend was for me to meet his family, but it was clear that she felt almost betrayed. Fast forward, my parents invite me up to our cabin and my boyfriend joins. We take my car because it was already loaded with laundry, etc. 
After we arrive, my dad pulls me aside and pretty much quietly yells at me how wrong it is that I drove and that we took my car. He's the man. He should be driving. Blah, blah, blah. This started everything going forward on a sour note. The cabin is in Tahoe. It gets cold in the winter. So my boyfriend wore a sweatshirt with his hood up during some of the time at the cabin. My parents, to this day, cite this as weird and rude, as well as a reason they don't like him for wearing a hoodie. Wow. As we continue our relationship, it's clear that my parents don't like him, but they can't really give up what I would call good or justifiable reasons. They'll say he's just not a good fit for the family. They don't tell me to stop dating him because they can't. I'm an adult, but they do tell me that I need to keep them and him separate. They don't want to really hear about him and he's not welcome at the house or cabin. By the way, he's never cheated on me, abused me, has no drug problems, nothing that a normal parent would cite as a problem. Eventually, it became an ultimatum given to me by my parents. They tell me that if you continue to date him, eventually it will be either him or us and you'll have to choose. Among other things, they would tell me that he'd never be an attorney, which is what he wanted to do, and insinuating that he probably wouldn't be much of anything at all. After undergrad, I started working at a financial firm. He graduated from undergrad at UC Berkeley and was accepted to law school across the country. We were always very serious about each other and made the decision to do long distance until he graduated and moved back to California. My boyfriend has since graduated from law school, moved home and took the bar last month. He starts work this October and had a contract since last year. My parents have known about this as well. Now, six years into our relationship, I call my parents and tell them that we're going to be moving in together. About 20 minutes later, I get a text from my mum saying that she doesn't want to rain on my parade, but that this path excludes her and my dad from my future. That they love me, but they can't be in my life if I choose to be with my boyfriend. I told them I would never understand. Since then, they've sent me more and more text messages saying stuff like, we feel like we're losing our daughter. This is heartbreaking, etc. And all at the same time, including that this is my choice and my fault. I texted my parents that I thought my boyfriend and I should come over and talk. That texting about this kind of thing is stupid, but not to be patronized or belittled. And if it turned to screaming that we would leave. My parents then replied that they wanted to see me face to face to talk, but that my boyfriend isn't allowed. My boyfriend even called my father the night of the initial we can't be part of your life text to try and talk or meet up and see if there was a way to talk through any legitimate concerns. My dad did not answer and responded a week plus later, only to text him that they haven't really ever liked him, that he wants to work through it with me alone, and it's mine and my boyfriend's fault for not trying to address things earlier. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who exactly are the parents and who are the children here. This is nuts. Among other ridiculous reasons, in inverted commas, to not like my boyfriend were, Berkeley isn't a man's college, my dad said. One time in college, my professor lost my final exam. And when I found out via my final grades and was frantically calling her to figure out what happened, my parents told my boyfriend, see, this is why we didn't want her to have a boyfriend in college. They found ways to blame him for everything. The only thing that ever had any merit was that he wasn't working yet. Well, this was because he was going to school to be a lawyer. Apparently, marrying someone who will make a lot of money is a bad thing? My boyfriend is the nicest, most calm, and peaceful person ever, and he loves me more than anything. 
but apparently their pride is more important than being wrong and accepting him. I guess I'm just trying to figure out if this is normal or if it's as wrong as it feels to my boyfriend and I. Well, it's definitely not normal. That is 100% for sure. I think what's going on here is that your parents just clearly don't like your boyfriend who will eventually become your husband. And they're trying to come up with some ludicrous reason or excuse as to why they don't like him. When in reality, we have no idea why they don't like him. It just seems to us anyway, without too much context, that they're just petty. I don't know. Uh, who knows if you have any idea why op's parents just don't like her boyfriend get in the comments down below i might have missed something but op has actually said in an edit as well that the boyfriend and the parents are the same ethnicity they're the same race somewhat similar financial status so it's nothing as obvious as that it's just that they don't like him i don't know why but they don't i mean it's very embarrassing they're being completely unreasonable Surely, if your daughter loves someone so much, you'd be so supportive of them, right? And say, you know what, this is great. I'm so happy for you. And to be fair, your boyfriend sounds like a good person anyway, you know? Good job. You've said that he's very caring and loves you so much. Why don't they just like that? I don't understand it, but hey, this is Entitled Parents. The one thing I would say, and make sure you do this, is that if they're going to be like, yeah, okay, it's either us or him, Obviously, make sure you choose him. I know they're your parents, but like that should be an obvious decision, right? Now for our final entitled parent story of this episode. My sister attacked my wife and my mum is holding our financial documents hostage because of it. Hi, Reddit. This post is half to vents, but also half to check myself and make sure that I'm not going crazy. My wife and I are recently married, but have been together since December 2019. Ever since then, we've had nothing but problems with my family particularly my mum and my one sister, as well as occasionally my brother, sister-in-law, and dad. My wife and I have talked multiple times in the past few years about whether we feel like it's gotten to the point of us needing to go no contact, but we haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. This past weekend, however, and the aftermath are having us seriously consider it. I guess I just need some advice. The background slash lead up. My wife and I were asked to help with a home project, painting, for my brother and sister-in-law's new house. The only supplies that were brought for said projects was one single paint sprayer and one single roll of painting tape, even though we had seven to nine people at various points who were there to help. More tape was later purchased. My wife, mum, sister-in-law, and I started taping up the parts that needed to be covered, and my brother started painting behind us. There wasn't a whole lot to tape, so once we were finished, there wasn't anything to do other than sit around and wait. Eventually, my sister starts painting, and my wife and I decide at around 7pm that it would probably be smart to try to order food for everyone. My wife is with one group on one side, talking about food orders, and I am on the other side with my mum and sister. My wife heard them yelling and was concerned, especially due to previous history, that something was happening, so she came over and asked what was going on. Here is a play-by-play of the conversation. My sister hands me the paint sprayer. Your turn. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I was supposed to go and get food. Too bad. My mum then said, I did ask you to help paint. Well, I did help tape. Well, I didn't ask you to help tape. I asked you to help paint, didn't I? I suppose. Then my wife gets involved. What are you guys yelling about? Oh, we were just giving him some trash. Oh, okay. It just sounded like yelling. Then my sister starts screaming. He can talk to his family without you. It's none of your freaking business. Huh? Said my wife. 
You have no right to be a freaking C-word to my mum. It's none of your business. And he can talk to his family without you around. I was just asking a question about my husband. Is there a problem with that? You don't get to talk to my mum like that, you female dog. Again, I was asking a simple question about my husband. My sister takes a couple of steps towards my wife. My wife walks towards my sister. My sister is literally centimeters from her face. My wife then places her hand on my sister's chest and tells her to back off. And then my sister started swinging. Basically, my sister started swinging at my wife and my wife put her hands up to block her face and accidentally hit my sister in the face. After this, I pulled my sister back and my wife stepped back. My sister was yelling things like, she freaking hit me, call the freaking cops, etc. After my sister eventually seemed to calm down, I let her go and she lunged at my wife again and this time got a hit in. I pulled her back again and then my brother and sister-in-law walk up and start yelling at my wife. My sister-in-law says that my wife is making them look like trash to their new neighbors and my brother tells us to get the F off his property. My mom started yelling at my wife, telling her that she was being a female dog and that she had no right to come at her, my mom, like that. Even though my wife hadn't even moved yet from the spot where she was standing. Fast forward. Over the past few days, we've gotten many text messages and phone calls. The gist of those is basically continuing to blame my wife and telling me that I am a terrible brother, son, and uncle. That's to my sister's kids who were also present for this entire scenario. Additionally, we need some old tax forms for some financial paperwork we need to fill out. And while my wife's parents sent those to us as soon as they were able, my parents are holding them hostage and flat out refusing to give them to us. I was told that I'd have to drive an hour to their house to retrieve them and have a conversation with my mum, and that my wife was not welcome to this conversation. Additionally, that my wife is no longer welcome in their house. When we called and asked if my mum could please just email them to us, we need them, her exact response was, maybe. Withholding our financial documents feels like it should be a last straw for me, but it's really hard, and I want to make the right choice. Yeah, I don't know about this one. Guys, get in the comments down below. I want to hear what you think. But from my perspective, I don't think this is terribly bad. Just a falling out. Now, who knows? If this continues to happen again and again and again, and your wife just never feels comfortable around these people, then sure, you need to do something. But for now, I mean, just play it by ear. But as long as you get these forms, just give it some time, relax, uh, make sure they calm down, and things should be fine. I mean, it's a terrible thing to happen, like your wife getting assaulted. I'm not trying to say that it's not, but I don't think you need to suddenly go to the lengths of going no contact with your entire family or or your mom or your sister just because this one thing happened. I get it from your wife's perspective. If she doesn't want to see these people ever again, I think that's fine. Um, But for your perspective, try and work it out. It is family after all. But yeah, let me know in the comments down below. Do you think I'm being too lenient? Because I can understand if some of you think that way. I mean, I will say that it has to be completely on your and your wife's terms, of course. I'm only saying that previous stuff if you guys are willing to, you know, accept it. I'm just saying you don't necessarily have to cut them off just for this one act. It's whether or not this has happened before or is going to happen again, potentially you think, and whether you get these forms back. I mean, I don't really know how this works legally, whether they have to give you this financial paperwork or not if they do then maybe it's becoming illegal i don't know so i can't really comment on that just with the with the personal stuff that happened yeah it's not good is it the more i think about it the more i feel like if your wife wants you to to never see them again maybe you gotta do it i don't know she did get hit by a sister but hey your family's craps happen sometimes in 
rare occurrences. Just because it happened doesn't mean you have to completely, you know, tear up the family. But I wouldn't blame you if you did. How about this for a news article headline? Florida man arrested for wrestling a fake alligator at a shopping mall. And you can see if you're watching on YouTube, uh, uh, there's an image here. And what's amazing is that there's also an accompanying video of this, which we're going to get into. But first of all, a Florida team was arrested for wrestling and damaging a fake alligator at a mall mid days after he was arrested for attempting a wrestling move on his school principal. I mean, if this picture didn't say enough, I think that is giving us the context that we need. <laughs> Police didn't have to search hard to track him down since he shared an Instagram video of himself damaging the display alligator at the full shopping center in Miami. That video, as I said, we're going to watch in just a second. The video, which was later released by police, shows him taking off his shirt, jumping over a fence, and tackling the fake alligator in a shallow pond. The destruction of the display animal, valued at $3,690 US dollars, took place back on March 30th. And without further ado, I'm delighted to say that here is that video. And here we go. Here is the absolute hoodlum himself. Um, top off, you know, doing what any good man does and proceeding to do this. So for those of you that are listening on podcast platforms, this guy, this random guy, has, has jumped into a pond with a fake alligator, RKO'd it, now pinning it to the ground wrestling style and... That's it. Shock. He was arrested. And there we go. So there we go. A fun little one. Probably the craziest entitled person I've ever come across. And uh, without further ado, let's get into some more normal entitled people stories. Friends infantilizing incestuous mother. Hey, Reddit fam. This has nothing to do with me personally. A close friend of mine, who we'll call Jake, asked me to write his story here as he's pretty bad with words and doesn't know how to put his feelings down. He has autism, which wasn't diagnosed until he was already an adult and moved out of his mother's place and went no contact. His mother, who I'll call Wacky Wonder, has always treated Jake like a baby from the time he was born up until he went no contact with her. He tells me that as far back as he can remember, she would make him wear bibs at the dinner table and always hand feed him. She claimed it was because he was a special child that needed the extra help. His father, Frank, would always chastise Wonder for this, saying that he would never grow up if she kept babying him. She'd get annoyed though and tell him that he was being ridiculous and that she loved her baby boy so much. Way too much, if you ask me. Jay began to believe that he was developmentally challenged because of her. Wanda would show up at his school and throw a fit when the teachers wouldn't pull Jake out of class to see her. He began to deal with bullying from other kids who would call him a mama's boy and tease him about wanting his mummy all of the time. As Jake got older, he started fighting back against the bullying. Eventually, he started yelling at his mum. Whenever she would show up at school, he'd tell her to go home and leave him alone. This never went down well, and he tells me that she would sit alone in her room and pout, crying about how he'd hurt her feelings. He'd always apologize and she would coo at him and pinch his cheeks and say that she couldn't stay mad at him because he was her baby boy and he was all she had in life, completely forgetting that she had a husband, by the way. So freaking manipulative. Once Jake was a teenager, Jake started acting out and becoming more independent from his mum. I don't know if everyone knows this, but not all autistic people are built the same. Jake is a very good looking guy. He's one of those too pretty to look at type of guys. He started rebelling by getting his dad to let him get tattoos. He started smoking cigarettes and pot and began hanging out with the goth and morbid crowd in high school. He listened to heavy metal music, wearing a leather jacket, eyeliner, and black nail polish. His black hair was always cropped short and he smoothed it back with gel. And from the pictures I saw, 
Wowee, even I said, if I'd seen that walking by me, I'd be turning my head to check him out. That gave him an ego boost. Not to mention, he's very good looking even without the makeup. Now, Wacky Wonder hated Jake's style and said it made him look like a clown and that his beautiful skin was too precious to destroy with tattoos and makeup. She threw his clothes away more than once, replacing them with clothes that she approved of. Frank would always take him to the mall so he could buy new ones and Jake took pleasure out of throwing out the clothes that Wacky Wonder gave him. She would still make them eat dinner at the table every night. She was one of those women that was very traditional about family dinner. They always sat down and she put a bib on Jake and hand fed him his meal until he was finished. She would even spit on a napkin and wipe his face if he got anything on it. Jake noticed that whenever she did this, she would side eye Frank with a smirk, like she wanted him to be jealous or something. Weird. The last time they ate together as a family, as soon as Jake sat down, she pulled out the bib. He tried to ask her not to do this as he was 16 and fully capable of feeding himself. She chastised him and told him to do as he was told. The bibs were too small and wouldn't even fit around his neck. He tried to tell her this, but she would just sit it on his chest, then start hand feeding him by making plain noises. Jake tore the bib off and told her enough was enough. He was 16 years old and he didn't need to be fed like a baby. Wacky Wonder got upset and started whining, but Frank suddenly blew up and told her to stop with this because this was getting too creepy even for him to tolerate. He tried to support her in the dread that her son was getting older and no longer needed her, but this was too much to take. Jake went to his room and didn't come out for the rest of the night. Wacky Wonder pouted and cried for more than a day in hopes of making Jake apologize for refusing her, but he refused. She realized she was losing the battle with keeping her son a baby forever. So time to amp up the crazy. Jake came home from school the next day and found his mum in the kitchen, dressed up in all black, black eyeliner and lipstick, and she even dyed her hair black. She had spiked bracelets and a choker. She looked ridiculous. How I wish I could have seen a picture of this because it sounded hilarious. Jake was shocked and asked her just what the frick she was doing. He noticed the shirt she was wearing was cut way too low and he could see way more cleavage than he was comfortable with. She bounded over to him and asked him if he liked it. He was too shocked to respond with what he wanted to say and said, sure. He tells me that she would push out her breasts towards him in an effort to make him look. What is going on? For months after that, that was all his mum, by the way, guys, remember that, would dress like. She would openly brag to her friends that Jake copied her style and she was so proud of him. She used to wear turtlenecks and mum jeans with slip-on shoes. She was the furthest thing from a goth or a punk that you could imagine. One night, Jake was asleep. She climbed into bed with him and tried to cuddle with him. He woke up and felt someone touching him inappropriately. He turned around and saw Wacky Wonder. He freaked out and told her to get the frick out of his room. She pouted and cried until Jake went to leave. He noticed then that his door was locked and he had to unlock it to get out. He had to lock himself in the bathroom and she sat outside the door, begging him to come and sleep with her. Jake shouted at her that she was touching him inappropriately and that it wasn't okay and it was weird that she did this with the door locked. She screamed that that was how mummies show their love until Frank came out of their room to yell at her for the way she was acting and that it was creepy for a mother to want to cuddle her 16-year-old son with the door locked. She screamed that he didn't understand the bond that she and Jake had and that he was jealous. Jake screamed that they had no bond. Wacky Wonder cried and Frank shouted at her to move away from the door or he'd do something he might regret later. He took Jake and they went to sleep at a motel for the night. Jake told his dad everything that happened. Frank finally had enough. 
He couldn't stand the weird and creepy behavior from Wacky Wonder anymore. He filed for divorce and got custody of Jake, and Jake's mum was given visitation rights. Wacky Wonder was mandated to attend parenting classes and therapy, and she actually went, under the threat of losing any and all rights to her son, of course. But she staunchly refused to believe she'd ever done anything wrong. Jake dreaded visitation, but as he was still a minor, he had no choice in the matter. He'd go and make sure to lock his door to prevent her from coming in. She did give him space when he was at her house for a while. When Jake was 17, his dad paid for him to enroll in driver's ed and got him a car. This went over like a fart in a church because Wacky Wonder was annoyed when Jake pulled up to our house in a brand spanking new car. She lost it and called out Frank to scream at him about how she was endangering her baby boy. He hung up on her. Things got worse once Jake started seeing a girl at school. She was a pretty blonde girl that dressed in similar fashion to Jake. When Wacky Wonder found out, she went insane. Jake was in his room sleeping and his mum picked the lock. It was one of those push-in locks that a bobby pin can easily pick. What Jake told me next made my heart drop. She undressed herself and climbed into bed with him and began essaying him. Oh my... Wow, I mean, I know it said incestuous in the title, but... Gee, what the hell? He woke up and freaked out. He ran away from the house and drove back to his dad's in tears and they called the police. Wacky Wonder got arrested and imprisoned for 11 years. Jake became severely depressed and tried to unalive himself more than once. His dad put him into therapy and he got better over time, but he still struggles with everything his mother had done to him. Jake was formally then diagnosed with autism and he's on medication that keeps him functional. He's one of the bartenders at my club and we're really close friends. He's best friends with my boyfriend, Kyle. Jake has a girlfriend who is one of the sweetest women I've ever met. Jake and I have a connection because we both have experienced SA from relatives. Oh my goodness. And we both are stronger for having gone through that. Sorry this was so long, but he wanted his story shared with everyone. Oh my word. Okay, guys. Well, you know, I said that um, the first story, uh, the first news article. Sorry, I'm a little bit speechless, if you couldn't tell. I said that the... the, the honest, wow. I said... Once again, that the the news article that I uh, I mentioned and and we saw the video of in the the first part of this this episode was one of the mental one of the most crazy again I actually can't speak one of the craziest things I've ever seen one of the most entitled things I've ever seen I, I now might have to re- revoke that statement because of what I've just read does that even count as entitled I don't know it's obviously way more serious than that perhaps entitled to feel like your child should always be your baby throughout all of these years and his entire life i don't know there's something going on upstairs i mean mentally with with wacky wonder's brain just some sort of complex that she wants to keep her child as an infant for as long as possible i mean i thought it was bad enough with making your son your 16 year old son wear a bib and then feeding him yourself with you know that plain stuff that you do with a child or i mean not a child let's be honest a baby or the most a toddler, but then it got completely serious. All I can say is that it's very good that you called the police and that she is now in prison, but the damage has been done. That's that's the unfortunate thing. Thankfully, it seems as though Wacky Wonder's son is getting through this with therapy and his amazing friendship group, support group. His dad seems great, Frank seems great, and he's got a great girlfriend, but as I said, the damage has been done, and unfortunately, he's going to have to live with this for the rest of his life. Also, OP, I'm so sorry to hear that you've gone through that as well. Why? What is this? It's actually unbelievable that this sort of stuff exists in the world. Oh, 
Man, without further ado, let's get in to our next entitled people story. Husband buys coffee machine. Upset that he has to use it. My husband loves coffee. He is the only one in the house who drinks it. Tea and coffee gives me acidity and insomnia, so I don't drink it. Recently, he bought a fancy machine that makes delicious coffee. The only problem is that the coffee trickles down drop by drop. It takes around four to five minutes to fill a tumbler, but can feel like forever if you have nothing else to do but stand there and watch it trickle down. I get the coffee machine going every morning while getting our dear daughter ready for school and making her breakfast. When he comes down after getting ready, my husband's tumbler is ready to go. He leaves, then I take our daughter to school, come back and work from home. So recently, I had an injury that left me bedridden. Luckily, it was my daughter's midterm break, so there was no pressure of getting up early to prepare her meal and take her to school. The only thing left was the coffee. My husband says, no problem, I will make it myself. Day one, two, and three. He makes the coffee and also cleans the machine after every use. But day four, this is too much and it's wasting my time. I reply to him, Why don't you switch on the machine tomorrow and get back upstairs to get ready? We live in a duplex. Bedroom and dressing room upstairs, kitchen and living room downstairs. Also, he has now stopped cleaning the machine. Day five. He is upset because he had to run up and down twice to tend to his coffee. My next suggestion, move your toiletries to the downstairs washroom for a few days so you can get ready there. I'm not comfortable with that, he replied. Well, now the only solution left is to wake up earlier. Day six, seven, and eight, he wakes up early to make his coffee. He no longer cleans the machine. Come the evening of day eight. I'm very tired. My sleep cycle is whacked. Well, looks like you need to make more coffee, I say. Day nine, he is now side-eyeing me and guilt-tripping me, hoping I would crawl down the stairs to make his coffee. Not happening. So he calls up the maid and tells her to start coming early to make his coffee. She's a part-time helper and there's no way she'll come this early by day 10. He's given up now He's buying his coffee from outside and the machine remains unused I tell you what that is the sort of man that you want to marry You've literally married a six-year-old in a man's body. Congratulations. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way That's obviously tough for you But if this man cannot make his own coffee every morning and it takes too long, then what else is he not doing? That's my that's my question. I mean, there are a lot more serious things and a lot a lot of things that take a lot more time than making a coffee every morning. I'll be honest, I do it myself. And here's the evidence on screen right now. A lovely mug to match my lovely top. And it takes about a minute. I clean out my machine, I put in beans and water, and then I press start. Unbelievable scenes. It really is. And, and cre- incredibly... A machine makes it for me and then I go and get it. It really is that easy. Just laziness. Laziness personified by an entitled man. And now for our final entitled people story of this episode. A stolen dress. My mother sadly died when I was 12. At the moment of our death, our family could have been the stuff of movies. We'd not seen our father in a couple of years and we were well used to a life without any adult inputs. I found my mother dead called the ambulance and the neighbors all witnessed the spectacle by afternoon there were her friends going through her closet before illness had stolen it my mother's true pride was her looks she was beautiful with stunning red hair even after the ravages of her illness she was still very pretty she had a green silk dress that was a treasure from the times before everything went bad in that dress she could still silence a room I stood at her bedroom door and I watched these women try on her clothes. One of them grabbed the emerald dress and immediately the women started to fight over the prize. They all wanted it. 
One woman claimed it, but then another grabbed it out of her hand and immediately locked it in her car. Attention took over the room. I stood and watched, powerless. Remember, guys, OP is 12 here. The hyenas who did not get the dress started to bargain their pilfered loot to exchange for the dress, but no deals were made. Word of my mum's death must have gotten to the high school, and my older siblings were now walking in the door. My brother was a successful drug dealer who, at 17, ruled our house. We all feared him. Even her friends knew he was dangerous. He'd once taken a gun to my mother's head. Seeing him approach the house, the women stopped what they were doing and we all held our breath. But he did not come inside, so they returned to their looting. In the moment, I totally forgot that I was afraid of him. I forgot that I believed he hated us. I forgot the gun. I showed him and my older sister the dress locked in the vulture's car. Mum's stuff was piled on the seats of various friends' cars, but we were all focused on that dress. I went back in to witness the harvest of our home. On the day of the funeral, my brother was a different kid. He stood tall and brave. He made sure to escort each and every one of those vultures up to see our mother laid out in the coffin, adorned in the green dress. And there we go. A slightly more positive story to end this episode. I mean, I don't know. Is that positive? Some of the imagery I had there of women in your dead mother's bedroom stealing her clothes when she's literally just died hours before is pretty unbelievable. And the fact that your brother, despite, yeah, doing a good thing at the end, held a gun to your mother's head. (sighs) Some of the characters we've met in today's episode have been nothing short of sensational. I will say very strange uh now i don't i don't know if you guys know this i don't know if i ever actually tell you this but or if i have told you this before but i never well, i don't ever try to read the stories in full before i narrate them because i want to kind of experience them live at the same time as you lot right that's more fun if i read them and i knew what was going to happen it would take away a bit of the fun for me i obviously check them to see if they're good but i don't read them word for word i just have a little brief overview and let me say i didn't realize that all of these stories were going to end like they did um but hey that is the, I don't know, the, the, what's a good word? <laughs> I, I can't even think of a word to describe this subreddit and some of the stories on there. Just at times bamboozling. My mum, a 41 year old woman, believes me, a minor under the age of 17, vomiting blood and having violent diarrhea is because I don't exercise enough. I am currently sitting on the toilet writing this in incredible pain. Yesterday night, I was sent to the ER because my stomach was in serious pain. I came back with violent diarrhea and I ended up vomiting blood all over my floor. My mum claims that she cannot take care of it and that I should be able to when I'm literally pooping blood. She's been told multiple times for over a year to take me to a gastrointestinal specialist because I'm suffering symptoms of something chronic, but she will not take me. She believes that it is my fault I am this way when I try my absolute best to take care of myself when suffering from severe mental illness. She took them saying that I should see a specialist as a F you I was right on her part and is claiming that if I just ate better, I'd be fine. She is aware I'm recovering from an eating disorder and before that ever started, I had serious stomach issues. Last night, I threw up blood and bile onto my room floor and I'm unaware how to clean it, being that the smell would most likely make me vomit again. It's a genuine biohazard, but she has forbidden me from cleaning it myself, saying that she doesn't want to deal with me asking how and that she'll get it. But she said this last night, and now, almost 10, she's not remotely began to help clean it or tell me how to clean it. I cannot change clothes because it's in my room. I cannot sleep because it's in my room. I cannot put on pants because it's in my room. And when I ask her to just tell me how to clean it, she refuses. 
I don't know what to do at this point. And it's gotten to a point that the pain in my stomach will temporarily paralyze my limbs and cause me to go unconscious. No matter how bad it gets, she always ends up saying that there's no way I can have these health problems because I'm too young. When she's the one that goes to the doctor for a minor headache, but won't take her child to a doctor, despite being repeatedly referred by doctors to do so. I'm scared for my life, as the pain gets worse by the day, and I'm barely even digesting food anymore. I cannot even drink water without risking my body rejecting it. Okay, so this is pretty much just abuse. Anyone got any, uh, anyone got any contrasting opinions? Leave them in the comments down below. I doubt it though. It literally is just abuse of your child. Is it not? Am I wrong? Am I missing something? It is. I mean, like, you're vomiting blood and saying, first of all, let's not go to the doctor or A&E. And second of all, let's not even bother cleaning it up, guys. Let's just leave it there. That was your fault. I want you to deal with it but I'm not even gonna tell you how. Such good parenting. Ugh, let's carry on. How my wife ruined her mum's Mother's Day by treating her like a mum. My mother-in-law is an annoying person to say in the nicest way. She has extremely low self-worth and she compensates that by forcing the world to go around her. As family who interact with her regularly, we're forced to treat her like a queen. Every day, every minute. If we don't, then there will be drama. All the way from pouting, going to her room, fainting, leaving the house to full-blown breakdown, including saying, why should I live on this planet anymore if no one cares about me? Yeah, to see an old lady say she'll kill herself just because we don't give her a few minutes of attention is a bizarre thing to witness. So it's exhausting to be around her, but what else can my wife and my sister-in-law do? She is their mum, and they both try their darn best to make her feel special. But they'd also like to interact with her as their mum too, not just as some out-of-touch royalty. They would like to crack jokes, chat about general things and share their problems, not having to be constantly worried what statement might tick her off. When they were kids in her orbits, things were fine, as she controlled them, and that made her feel as though she was the center of attention. But now that they're married, have family of their own, and that she is not the anchor of the family, she started becoming more and more demanding that we perform some elaborate rituals to make her feel special. It's becoming extremely exhausting. So, onto the actual event itself. My mother-in-law and father-in-law have traveled to our country and are staying with us for a short time to help us with the kids, as we all live halfway across the globe. My wife planned an elaborate Mother's Day event centered around my mother-in-law, even though she herself is a mum too. One of those that included lunch in a popular ethnic cuisine restaurant, by the way, had she not planned it herself, there would have been a snarky comment at the end of the day saying, seems like you don't care about your mum enough to plan something for me. I was waiting the whole day for you to do something. Anyway, morning went uneventfully as we've been pampering the grown-up toddler and my mother-in-law was quite jubilant. We go to the restaurant and I and our elder one go in to set up the table as my wife is bringing the others in, my mother-in-law, father-in-law and our little one. My two-year-old, the real toddler, decides to throw a tantrum for toddler reasons, but then my mother-in-law sees this beautiful garden in front of the restaurant and wants my wife to take her picture. My mother-in-law doesn't care about anything and forces my wife to take several pictures as my wife is holding a crying, fussing, and kicking toddler at her hip. Having basked in the glory of being the center of attention, my mother-in-law is satisfied enough and they all come in. My wife is ticked off from that, but tries her best to be cheerful. The waiter comes in to take the order, and right then, my mother-in-law decides to go to the restroom. My wife asks her to order before going, as the kids will get hangry if we wait for long. 
But the big mistake my wife did was she asked in a normal tone a regular conversational tone instead of a pleading or pleasing pampering tone How dare we order her royalty on what to do? That was strike one as me and my wife are looking at the bazillion choices and trying to order for kids ourselves spice level, etc, etc We got absorbed into ordering without paying attention to the most important person My mother-in-law wasn't the center of attention for two full minutes. How dare we that is strike two We didn't notice that or ask what she wants She asked if they have a particular ethnic dish, which is a regular staple we have almost every day at home, like a grilled cheese sandwich, that too in an indifferent, meek tone. She was indirectly implying that she's just a nobody because of strike one and two, and therefore she was ordering some peasant food. That was our cue to realize our mistake, prostrate before her, beg her forgiveness, and bring the world back into alignment before things go downhill. We failed to notice that change in her tone, which was strike three. Instead, my wife suggests, Mum, we have that almost every day at home, so why don't you... But my mother-in-law cuts her off, saying, I know that. Are you saying I don't know that? And then storms to the restroom. We're all figuring out what the frick happened, and we finish ordering. My mother-in-law comes back and unloads on my wife how she has disrespected her. We brought her to this country, and ever since then, my wife has made it her mission to do nothing but continuously humiliate her, and then she starts crying. I quickly realized what had conspired, but my innocent wife, whose heart is only filled with love and not such evil games, doesn't realize drama that my mother-in-law wants. Instead, she's trying to understand how suggesting that the dish is a regular staple at home is humiliating. And my mother-in-law goes, you're implying I'm dumb and don't even know this. You have ruined Mother's Day. All daughters do special things on Mother's Day and here you are ruining mine with a few other delectable quotes. My wife says again and again, that's just a regular thing to say to your mum. But my mother-in-law is adamant that my wife humiliated her by implying that she is dumb for not knowing it's a staple dish we regularly eat at home. So she storms off to sit outside. Seriously, that was the entire discussion for a full five minutes. It was extremely bizarre to see a 60-year-old woman throw a tantrum and accuse her daughter because she said, it's a regular staple we eat at home. Now, normally we would run after her and apologize and beg her to come back and keep apologizing throughout lunch, which is what she wanted after three strikes. But this time we were so over this BS, having been through similar ones so many times. So we just sat and ate in peace without an extra side of drama. But my wife was heartbroken. She'd done all this planning, wanted to be a good daughter, wanted her mum to feel special, and in the end has ruined Mother's Day by talking to her mum as a mum and not as a royal. So, a 60-year-old woman started crying in the middle of lunch rush in a popular restaurant, all because we didn't give her attention for five minutes while busy ordering food for our kids. There are hundreds of other similar stories, but this is one of the clearest what the frick just happened. Honestly, guys, if I had someone like that in my family, I think I'd just have to retire and say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I actually just don't even want to be affiliated with you in any single way anymore. You are that annoying. Why is a 60-year-old woman acting like the youngest at that table when there is also a two-year-old there? I mean, whose tantrum was worse? Genuinely, the two-year-old's who was 
tantruming because they're a toddler or a 60 year old woman's because your daughter asked you a question like what is actually going on you just know exactly what sort of person she is like i don't even have to meet this person to know exactly how they function day to day as op said thinking the entire world revolves around them but just being so annoying and just like precious and almost like a princess i mean is describing her as royalty is absolutely perfect that is exactly how she thinks she is that everyone should bow down to her she needs a you know a taste of her own medicine i don't know exactly what that would entail if you have any ideas comment down below how does op and his family how do we let this woman or make this woman realize that she is so so entitled i want to hear your thoughts why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.